1: Three, two. What's up, y'all? It's Beyond the Harmony. BeyondTheharmony.com. I am Cecil West back again for season two with the one and only
2: The new and improved for season two Jonathan
1: Lippy. And this is Thug Thursday. The first Thug Thursday of 2019. We are pulling up on almost the 12-month marker. John, welcome back to Thug Thursday, buddy. It's been a nice break. Yes, sir.
2: Yes, sir. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people are saying, what kind of break did you guys go on other than stopping interviewing people every Thursday? Uh, (laughs) Because we've had constant contact. We've actually probably dropped more stuff in the offseason.
1: Than we did during the uh, regular season you know well <clears throat> there was a little moment i think th- i think that there was a a month or so where not much was going on uh and then and then you you syndicated a bunch of things which kind of kind of relit the fire under me and and yeah we we put out a lot of content but i think that was good that kept us sharp for this season um but you know that side content is stuff that we can work on at our leisure whereas Thug Thursday is a every Thursday commitment to you guys. So, you know, it, it gave me a break. It let me recharge. I was pretty burned out by the end of the last season. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited going into this season. We got great interviews lined up. Um, just some, yeah, some and, new – I'm, I'm pumped. am left on man. a good note. We wrapped
2: season one on a good note. Like season one felt complete right when we did it. It's not like it it just jumped off a cliff and left you on a cliffhanger – it felt like what we set out to do with that season one, our missions, our goals, we, we accomplished what we had wanted to do at that point. And it was time to, to take some time off and then rethink the mission, uh, create new goals and objectives. And that's what this season two is
1: all about. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, we're, we're back to keep doing what, we, what we've been trying to do this whole time, which is just uncover the unknown. You know, I, I, I can't say it more basic than, you know, a lot of us have been fans for 20 years. They've been a, a, a group for 25 years. Um, we know a lot about them, man. You know, uh, there's so many hardcore fans out there. Like, some of you fans know everything. So this show is about uncovering what we don't know. And, and that might be something minor. That could be something major uh, but but that's what it's all about. If you guys have been paying attention, we we've been dropping tons of questions of the day. I love the question of the day. Uh, we, we're really getting into some interesting now uh, interesting ones now, Johnny, now that we've kind of got through the basics, you know what's your favorite album, what's your favorite song? We're getting to some crazy questions of the day. Uh, but even more crazy is what we're uncovering. Um it it's a couple weeks ago now but if you guys saw we received a package a care package from Frank 216 DNA level C and it had just a, a bunch of cool shit in it including a, a copy of Bone Enterprise that that I didn't have in my collection a version I didn't have and then it also had Mr. Money Loke which we know has a small Bone connection because of the the front of the his album cover and then the big one Johnny the uncovered possibility of it—at least the theory of a second Bone Enterprise album that that was possibly going to drop around ninety, looks like ninety-six, called Sons of Assassins—and that's the only place inside of that Dre you know, booklet is the only place that I've ever seen that, and it, and it may be the only place that it's ever been printed. Um, that may be as far as they ever got with the album was printing it in there, but how crazy is it to know that it was on, it was on the 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 drawing board to put this second Bone Enterprise album out? Not only that, using a catalog number with
2: one nine, nine, nine in in the catalog number, which didn't even sequentially follow the same scheme that they were doing. And you know, it's two, I didn't say this in the video, but you notice that the first number is seven on all of the catalog numbers, even dating back to the other albums that had nothing to do with bone. And I'm just wondering if that had anything to do with like seven sign or their favorite number being seven or anything like that, but I don't know. But, but seeing that 1999 in there for a sons of assassins, I wonder if we'll even find out what that could have been, would have been, should have been, what was supposed to be on it—was it an album, an EP, a single? Who knows?
1: But I think I think we may find it out in a future interview. Or well, I can tell you, Cecil West. Yeah, I, I can tell you that I've I've already done a little research. It's it's fun being who we are because I've made a lot of connections. <laughs> I I, sh, I probably should be aiming at like connections besides Faces of Death, but. I've made a hell of a lot of Stony Burke Faces of Death connections, uh, so I was able to reach out quickly, and I'm gonna do a full follow-up video um, on all of this. But this is what I can tell you guys: John in his video, you know, w- was was toying with the idea that maybe this was just them releasing a single, which made sense. Uh, and in '96, you would have had the you would have had the digital remaster release, so they could have been toying with a new single. Um at at that point, you know, instead of the two that we knew as singles. Um, so that was a good theory. Uh, but both both people that I that I reached out to, and I and I'll release their names in the follow-up video, but they, they both worked very closely with Bone Enterprise, very closely with Stony Burke. Uh, one of them was actually still working with Stony Burke at the time that this was printed, and I can confirm that it was supposed to be a follow-up album now it was described to me as you know like one of those lost albums like when they released the lost tupac tapes or the lost nas tapes so what i believe that this is is uh if you remember we heard k chill talk about those you know unreleased songs that didn't get finished because even bobby jones told us that they recorded a lot of stuff they recorded a lot of stuff um so my guess is that this was a lot of unfinished you know m- material and that they were possibly going to continue to try to ride that wave uh that we know was created by the 95 96 era um we had it confirmed for us that that faces of death is a gold record kermit cashed in heavily there so it looks like maybe they were going to try to continue to recash and with a, a brand new album of unreleased old material. Now, a fan said to me that, and and, and I cannot confirm this because I've, I've never had anybody confirm this, uh, but I've also never asked to have it confirmed and denied, but somebody said that they received a cease and desist, and that's why Faces of Death kind of slowed down, and that's probably why they had to stop this project. If that was the case, that, that would make sense. Um, who Who knows why it didn't see the light of day? But I can tell you in season two, we're digging for an answer. And I don't think there's a huge answer here. I think we're all right to say that there's probably not like an actual unreleased Sons of Assassins sitting somewhere in Cleveland. But I think it's worth us just digging into the idea of what it is. Because again, this tells us that on that DAT tape that's sitting in K-Chill's basement or garage wherever it is, that there are unreleased Bone songs. That we've never heard it seems like there's more lost songs than
2: found songs
1: from all the people
2: we've talked to now Mm -hmm. i mean it sounds like there's more unreleased than released they got more more than tupac uh buried somewhere and you know another thing too that was interesting is it it's in a way we even foreshadowed unintentionally dating back to the Bone Enterprise video I made before we were beyond the harmony when we examined the K Chill. Actually, was it no? It was we were examining the Bone Enterprise album cover because the format of the interiors match on all these Stony Burke uh, releases. And even though um, the Dre Bone was on Stay True records, it, it didn't. It wasn't credited to Stony Burke or Jam It, it was credited to Stay True and some other label. It yeah. still had that same interior format with the the Current, it actually said current releases, right? It didn't say feud coming soon, right? It said Sons of Assassins, current releases. And another strange thing, too, that I noticed was, and I I always wondered this when you think back on the Easy Does It, Easy E album, and Straight Out of Compton, there were songs on the Easy E album that are that have samples on the NWA album, and vice versa. And you're like, how the heck. How could that be if if they didn't come out at the same time that, you know, no, nothing came out simultaneously? And so in the Draybone album, it advertises the Mr. Moneylok, and in the Mr. Moneylok, it advertises the Draybone. And so you're like, well, how could two albums that that came out at different times advertise each other? But then again, planning, you know, if they did plan all this ahead, you yeah. could do something like I- that.
1: I, I think they were planning. They probably planned that by the time Dre Bone had dropped out, that probably uh, Bone Enterprise you know, w- would come out. Uh, I found out more interesting information about Dre Bone as well. I know that we've all been trying to connect. If there's a Draybone connection, connection, uh, we, we had it pointed out to us that Dre Bone is shouted out inside of the Creeping on a Come Up album. So maybe they were planning to ride that wave of putting out another Bone Enterprise album And then dropping an artist named dre bone and that bone enterprise never came out and that's why it was still printed inside i don't know we're gonna find out so appreciate everybody that has been uh you know chiming in helping us listening to the songs commenting uh and just having fun with us we're just having a lot of fun but before we find that out john tonight in, in just a few minutes, actually, we, we're going to have an interview. We were supposed to do this interview in the last season. Unfortunately, it didn't uh, come together. But I'm really excited to do it because he's he's given massive contributions to our channel. Uh, as soon as he saw us, he, he started to contribute and help out. Tonight, in a few minutes, we're going to have Cairo Wolf calling in. Uh, he's done a, a ton of Bone Thugs artwork that I consider very important. Uh, thug stories that we know was kind of like the return. Before the return, Strength and Loyalty, which was a huge record, and of course, Chasing the Devil by Crazy Bone. So we'll we'll have him here in a few minutes, and I think we got some some great questions. You know I always like when we have the artists on. We find out a lot of a cool, you know, information. Yeah,
2: and amazingly, sometimes you go in, you're thinking, all right, what, what can we possibly learn from an artist? But every single one of our artist interviews have been solid, like every single one. And I'm sure this one's gonna be no different, um, especially with such a known and celebrated artist as Kyra Wolf, with his uh, participation with the BTNH board and and other bone outlets. Like I think he's like the people's champ artist that uh, everybody's behind.
1: Yeah, I I agree. He he. Um, I know he was at least at one point like active on BTNH board. Uh, you know the the goat from H Board, uh, John, John Basil. He did a great interview back around Chasing the Devil time um, that actually gave us a lot of information leading up to this. You know, so he, he's been, you know, involved with the Bone fans for a while. Uh, but, but I don't think that there's been much on him since Chasing the Devil. So I think that this is going to give us a real opportunity to kind of dig in further now that Chasing the Devil's been out for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be good. We always find out, like you said, we always find out really good information from the artist and, you know, I w I wasn't sure what we were going to have for questions, but I got like over 50 questions for him and, and that's without, that's without the questions that he's going to inspire along the way. So I I think it's going to be good and we'll have him calling in probably any, any time here, Johnny for our first interview of the season. Absolutely, and you know,
2: probably one of the the art highlights was uh, the Julio Costanzo giving us that background of the uh, preparation and con- conceptual artwork and where all that came from and it wasn't necessarily where we thought it came from. So that was, that was unique as well. So we'll see what we find here. Also, I'll mention uh, going back to this while we're waiting on Cairo, uh, Going back to the Sons of Assassins thing and and our faces of death fetish that we have, it's it's a fun journey for me, at least examining these albums like Draybone and Mr. Money Loke, and even that other Mr. Money Loke album that didn't even really have much to do with Stony Burke, but it had Above the Law and it had Domino and Above the Law, you know, used to be with Ruthless Records and it was mentioning Laylaw. And so I think there's some connections there as well. But even going through the I don't know, it was like three months of K-Chill, releasing those K-Chill uh, old songs. It was, it was cool to hear the sounds of 93 when that happened and observing the artwork and just hearing the production techniques, the types of beats, the types of flows. And I've even had fun looking into other Stony Burke slash recordings artists like Southpaw. They were actually pretty good. A lot of these guys, if you're into like old school hip, not really old school hip-hop, but hip-hop of the late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> Uh, these guys actually had pretty solid releases and it's just neat to see how the underground and independent artists uh, are good and we would never even known about these had this whole breadcrumb of trails first from bone enterprise leading us to Kate chill leading us to all these other things plus looking at these liner notes of these independent albums because you know on an independent album those thank yous are like more meaningful than corporate albums because the corporate albums are just going to thank corporate people and And industry folks, whereas these independent albums, you're getting like real. I'm not saying that the industry people aren't real people, but I'm talking, you know, the people that are probably in your neighborhood. So this is a cool, cool journey. And I do enjoy this old school stuff that we're doing, even though it seems strange. But look at where this leads. And what if we really find a Sons of Assassins
1: album? Well, John, with that, I, I believe we have Cairo here. Let's take a look. Kyra Wolf, you with us? Yo yo. Yeah, there he is. What's up, man? Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it, man. Peace and blessings. I appreciate y'all having me. So we we were actually talking before you got on here that a, a couple years back you you did a a text interview uh, with the goat from BT and H board. And uh, it, it was a really great interview where you, you covered a lot of information, uh, so much information. The, the interview was so complete that, that I think we'll probably end up covering a little bit of that again. But I, I think it's a, a great story that you have. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to cover it with, uh, with, with our fan base. We do a lot. We were saying we do a lot of artists. You know, last year, um, or excuse me, last season, rather, we, we interviewed Aaron Purnell, uh, who did, like, the Art of War three um artwork Julio costanzo yeah. who, who did eternal and the art of war and even jason bibb who did faces of death which was their first album uh, so so you're with great company being on beyond the harmony cairo oh man no
0: doubt actually uh julio costanzo was a big influence on me growing up so like when i found that interview on youtube it popped up you know on youtube it has little reference videos for or suggestion videos and that was that's how I found y'all but um that's I awesome. I always I didn't know anything about the guy when I saw it I was like oh I got to listen to this so that was really an amazing interview I enjoyed listening to it I I
1: loved it I love to hear that to hear you say that like Julio was an inspiration for you because uh there's an artist right now named Cody Hillier who does a lot for uh you know, like Lazy Bone, he, he's doing the new Moth. I know he Cody, the new, Yeah, yeah, and he always says what an inspiration you are for him. So it's great to hear how all the the artists that have worked kind of with Bone and have inspired each other, you know, over the over time. Absolutely, man. It's it's a it's an interesting family. So yeah, we, have, we before, have a very interesting family in the in the Bone circle, man. Oh yeah, and 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 you guys have all helped collectively to to make the visual piece you know the the audio that bone makes is amazing but the the visual collective that has gone with it for the last 25 years has really helped build the story uh for all of us as fans but before we get into that i want to start right at the basics you know so so we can establish it for for the beyond the harmony listeners um when, when did you get your start like you know as an artist uh I mean, you're so incredible. I feel like you—you you must have been doing this just from the from the moment you were born.
0: Um, kind of. Uh, both my parents are artists. Um, my father—my my father does—he did commercial art in the seventies, eighties, I think. Um, but he's a, he's uh does like oil paintings, uh, charcoal things like that. But he's also a musician. And then my mother is a painter. She does uh, watercolor and oils and acrylics. So I was kind of raised in an artistic environment, um, just growing up. And I always kind of naturally understood branding, you know. Um, you yeah. as a little child. I would, like, collect, like, the backboards to my action figures or, you know, Happy Meal boxes. I remember Batman Returns came out and... Uh, mcdonald's had like all the batman return stuff you know so i i actually collected like the french fry boxes and stuff with the batman logo on it i don't know you know i mean it was just fascinating as a little person but my my older sister's first husband was a graphic artist and we lived in texas at the time in dallas and he worked for a company called lipcom and they did all the packaging for this candy company um and so I was like 11, 12 years old, and I would go up to the office that he worked at, and he would just put me on the computer in the corner, and he'd, like, open up Photoshop and say, here, you know, play around, because I was always drawing pictures, and and they did uh, bubblegum CDs. They had these CDs back in the 90s. They were, like, discs of bubblegum that came in CD cases. You'd get them in, like, a dollar store and stuff. Yeah. And... That was my first design project. I think I was like 11 or 12, and he just set me in front of a computer, and I'd just come up with ideas, you know. I never got paid for it, but that was my introduction to graphic design. Wow. And then, as, you know, as the years went on, you know, um, I kind of just took it with me. I did a lot of fake album covers, like as a teenager. Like when I was like, you know, 13, 14, I would do like, cypress hill album covers or bone or you know whatever i was into i would just do um just like mock-up just like fan art i guess is what you would call it but cypress hill is who made me want to do album covers that black sunday album cover like when i was a kid blew my brain and that's what said oh i want to do
1: this i want to make album covers <sighs> it's crazy when we uh when we get inspired by something like like young and it, and it shapes yeah. you know what we're going to do with the with the rest of our life like that uh, only only a few select people in this world have have the nerve to decide to, to chase the dream like that uh, so it's commendable that you know you, you got inspired by Cypress Hill and and now you make artwork for legends um how how did you get the the, the artist name Cairo Wolf i mean is that something that you've kind of had from the beginning or how did that that come about um, I've been wolf since I was a teenager. Like I used to be wolf child is what they
0: called me when I was like 14, 15, 16. You know, as a kid, they called me wolf child. Um, that's just what I went by as I grew older. Like the Cairo came when I changed the name of my company. I used to have a company called Ebtite Productions. And initially we did design work. We did T-shirts. We did photography videos and we had a studio. So we were doing like everything. So if you were an artist and you were trying to get your music known, you were trying to put your project together, you'd come to Tite and we could record your project, master it, engineer it, do your music videos, do your T-shirts, do your album cover, do your everything you need all in one house.
3: Yeah, and you guys were like the
0: one-stop shop. Yeah. So you know, I put this team together, um, and we kind of built a, we kind of built a core here in middle tennessee and in the southern region of the united states so i have people coming from atlanta and memphis and all over the place coming to do coming to work with us and i kind of ran into some friction with some of the people i was working with and they kind of i kind of felt like my name was unrecoverable at that point with the ebb type productions which is what the snl the strength and loyalty project is under so after Mm. that i said well i need to change the name of my company i changed it to cairo inc um i was just trying to think of cool names and you know i've always been a fan of the pyramids and the egypt stuff and so i said oh well i'm just gonna call it cairo and then eventually cairo
1: wolf is just how people came to recognize it. Mm. So i just I, lo- I, I love it too because it like it kind of almost unintentionally links you to bone with that cairo and that you know that pyramid and that you know egyptian link with the with mo thug so it, it kind of gives you that uh that like cousin-esque link uh, with that name, you, you had brought up strength and loyalty and, you know, just, just working with Bone, you know, <clears throat> before you did the, the Bone, did, did you do any like real big gigs before that, or was Bone like the real big first gig you had? Um, Bone was definitely the first major gig before that
0: I'd done, um, BG. Um, I'd actually met Bone and them years before strength and loyalty and. uh Two thousand two they won the great Goose tour, yeah, with Paul G and little John, and at the time, um, I was down here living in the projects. I didn't have a car, I didn't even have any furniture in my house, like the literal only furniture in my house was like a was like a glass coffee table and two lawn chairs, and my mac I had like a one of them old gym tone colored first iMacs. so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, and I was doing design work. I had to figure out how to put diapers on my daughter. You know, I didn't have any education. I didn't have any resources. I hadn't prepared myself to live um, a life or have a career. Um, So my access to things were very limited. I didn't have any real education. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I said, I was living in the projects, hand to mouth, trying to figure out how to make, you know, $50 a month. So, um, I started doing, because I had this graphic skill I developed as a teenager via my former brother-in-law, I started doing album covers for local artists, just people I knew in the area, people who were trying to get on, and I was doing for like 50 bucks a hit or something like that. And I was literally in the hole. I couldn't really survive. Um, I heard Bone was coming to town on the radio, and I was always a fan of them from, from when I was young. I was a huge fan of bone and I knew their story about how they met easy and he put them on. And I remember I was riding with a homeboy of mine and it was on the radio that they were coming to town. And all my brain said was they going to understand my situation and I got to go get with them. So the lady I knew named Renee, was doing some kind of DVD magazine thing back then. It never came out, but she uh, always had some kind of scheme going on. She wanted me to come take pictures while she interviewed the artists at the Grey Goose Tour. So we went up to the Great Goose Tour. I met uh, Ball and G and Little John, and I had my portfolio with me, and I was trying to show, you know, they were there to party and perform. They didn't really weren't really interested in me trying to pitch my services. But when Bong showed up, we got on the tour bus, and um, – You know, they did a little interview with the lady and I had, you know, I did the pictures and I had my portfolio with me and I just kind of slid it to Lazy on the side like, hey, here's some of my work, man. You know, I'm a graphic designer, you know, y'all need some artwork. And Lazy, you know, he went through my portfolio and he was like, man, this shit is hard. This shit is cold. And then he passed it around the tour bus, crazy and wish. Busy wasn't there. I think he had just left the group temporarily at that time. Yeah. And I got like, you know, late, Lazy took a personal interest in what I was pitching, which was really impressive to me because, you know, I had kind of ran into a bunch of brick walls. And he was like, yo, I want to bring you on and fuck with you. And he said he wanted me to do the Mo Thug 4 CD, which was, I think, uh, I don't remember what it, it had some subtitle, but it was the the fourth volume of the Mo Thug stuff. So I got really excited because, again, bro, bro, I'm living in the projects. I don't have no furniture. I don't even have a car. I'm like, oh, I'm on. You know, I didn't know nothing about the game. I was like 19 years old. I thought, oh, you know, I've made it, you know, in, yeah. my, in my brain, you know, that oh, I'm finna do this Mo Thug CD and I'm finna, you know, get my stuff popping. And um, I went down to Atlanta. He was living in Atlanta at the time. We were in the studio. We chopped it up. We had a real good conversation and found out that we had, like, we had spent some time in Euless, Texas at the same time when we was young, I think he was like 14. I think I might've been like nine or 10 or something like that. But we were in the same small town in Texas at the same time. And he worked at the grocery store around the house, around the corner from where I lived. So like, that was like a really cool connection. And me and Lazy just connected, man. Like, you know, he's just a really good dude and we had a really good conversation. So, you know, we had started talking. He's talking about flying me to Cleveland to do the photo shoot. And then, I hadn't talked to him in a couple of weeks. I was at the mall with a friend of mine, and there was a single out for the cover. It was like him and Felicia on the cover. I don't remember the name of the song, but I bought the single just because I was <laughs> going to be doing the album cover. I opened yeah. it up, and inside the album cover was there. They didn't do it, so I got my feelings hurt. So I, I was like, "Damn, man!" He didn't even tell me I wasn't doing it. So I called dude. He didn't answer his phone, so I left him a salty ass voice message. Like, I was just like, you know, man, dog, fuck you. You ain't real. Like, I mean, I was 19, you know, and I was probably I was probably drunk, but I was, I left him a crazy-ass voicemail. The next day he called me back and said, uh, you know, what's up with this salty message you left me? I was like, well, I'll tell you what's up. He's like, nah, man, I'll tell you what's up. So we got to do, like, this heated argument over the phone. Like, we threatened to kick each other's ass and all this bullshit. And in the middle of this ridiculous argument, I'm realizing that I've acted out of place and that I've overstepped and it's like, maybe I didn't fully understand the, you know, the politics of the situation. And so I apologized soon. before, you know, this thing went on for like 30 minutes and before it was over, you know, I was like, you know what, man, I didn't understand what you're saying. Or, I didn't understand where you were coming from. You know, I apologize. I was out of place. You know, I did all this comp work. Cause I did like, I don't know nine or ten different, like, mock-up, you know, not actual album covers, but just kind of concept art, you know? Yeah, for the Mothug. Yeah, for the Mothug 4 stuff. I didn't, like, just, you know, rough concept ideas. Yeah. I spent a lot of time doing it. He was like, well, look, man, you give me your address, and I'm going to FedEx you a check for all that stuff. But after that, I ain't fucking with you no more. And I told him, I was like, nah, because you ain't get the artwork, and you're not using it. I don't want your money like that. So, you know, I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. And, you know, when I get on and I get situated, I'm going to buy you dinner. And he was like, bet. So we hung up the phone. And that was like in 2003. And I didn't talk to him again till, uh '06, I think, when I ran back into him again. We ran in, I ran into him at uh, Vanderbilt at an event. And um, we talked then.
1: But, yeah, so we and, had that little history before that. And- yeah he must have remembered you when when you ran back into him how what what was that like with seeing him for in person for the first time since that conversation because yeah 2003 that would have been around the time of uh mo thugs for the movement um yeah that's what the movement yeah that's what it was yeah and then you, you must not have run into him again until closer to around like the the release of thug stories or or leading up to thug stories it might have been 2005 when i ran into him again
0: because i did the thug stories art i ran at, by the time i ran into him again i'd already done the bg covers um for Koch. i had done like yeah. two or three of them for bg by that time um i built a company I had a building, I had a staff, I had a team of people I was working with. I had won a couple of local design awards for the Southern Entertainment Awards. I won like graphic designer of the year. Um, oh, that's so dope. I I built up like a notable name in, you know, the Southeast region of the country at the time. I, you know, so I felt like at the time that I, that I was on, you know, I felt like I had arrived and I was doing big things. And I had a lot of shit cooking. So when I ran into him again at this event. I was excited because I had proven myself, you know, I had come up, you know what I'm saying? I told him, I said, I'm going to come up on my own. When I do, I'm going to buy you dinner. So when I, I seen him at the event, uh, I was, I saw him from a distance and I was like, well, you know, I should go holler at him. But he came and hollered at me. He noticed me. He came and hollered at me. He did remember me. Lazy got a hell of a memory. Like out of all the people in all my life, like Lazy's memory is ironclad. Like that dude, he remembered my daughter. She was like a newborn when I was met him the first time. And he asked me, he's like, how's your daughter doing? You know what I mean? Like he remembered things that you wouldn't think someone who has met so many people and done so many things, you know, the insignificant meeting that we had, I was surprised that he had remembered as much about me personally. And after that, we went back, kicked it at the hotel room. Um, I told him I was doing the BG cover. He had the BG album with him. He pulled it out of his suitcase and he would, or out of his bag. He was like, you did this? I was like, yeah, oh, I did dope. that. And he was like, oh, man, that's the shit. So, you know, we kicked it and hung out and smoked some. And, you know, it was just a cool shit. But we left it there. You know, we didn't, you know, try to, uh, you know, I did, I intentionally didn't try to, like, border for more work. You know, I was, like, content with the fact I'd shown him I was on. I told him, I said, dude, I told him I'll buy you dinner. And, you know, of course, he didn't want nothing to eat. He was like, no, nah, I'm good, man, you know, whatever. So, well, one day I'm going to get you, you know what I mean? And then because of the relationship with Koch, through working on the Chopper City BG projects, um, Koch called me and was like, yo, we got this Bone album coming out. You know, are you interested in doing it? I was like, fuck right. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I did Thug Stories Project. And um, the Thug Stories Project was difficult because we didn't have any pictures
1: to use. They couldn't yeah, use I, pictures. No. I, I, I remember reading that and that that you had very limited, um, you know, they were like uh, Polaroids that were poorly scanned, and that's really all you had to use in in that situation. What what was the reason behind that that they that they didn't have like a shoot or anything that they could use at that point?
0: Um, they had to deal with Interscope. And Interscope was, I guess, real nervous about the shit, and I guess, I guess they were trying to hit a lick on the side before the Interscope album. So Steve LaBelle had called me, and he was like, you know, look, we can't do a photo shoot because, you know, whatever the fuck, you know, we can't do a photo shoot because they're under contract with Ruthless or under contract with Interscope. So, you know, I'm just going to send you some pictures. And I was like, okay. And he sent me (laughs) this, like, handful of, like, scanned or, you know, it's like snapshots on tour, like, you know, like disposable camera style or Polaroids. Oh, man. And I was really disappointed because they weren't even good Polaroids. You know, I was like, man, these are not great pictures. So I had to improvise. And I was still pretty young in the game, like, you know, I thought more of myself than I probably should have because I'm, you know, I'm pretty much self-taught. So, you know, I didn't have the skill level I should have at the time or that I, or that I believe that I had because I kind of drank some of my own Kool-Aid as far as like, you know, the local environment is like, Oh, you're the man, you're the man. So I drank a lot of my own Kool-Aid. So I thought more of my skills than I probably should have, but you know, either way there were no pictures available except for these terrible pictures. And I think, um, Dude up at Koch, I'm trying I don't remember his name. It was uh, Paul Paul Grosso was the head of the art department at Koch. He took um, a picture of Lazy, because I didn't have any pictures of Lazy to use for the cover. He took a picture up there at Koch of Lazy and sent it to me. And so that was the only picture I had taken for that project. So I had to kind
1: of improvise. But it was cool, you know. It was a <laughs> cool experience. Did that like affect did that hinder the final product compared to like what you kind of had in mind for the for that thug stories uh, for that for that artwork? Just well, not yeah, having like photos I to really work with. To do, I
0: wanted to do something really impressive, you know, and like being that you know, Julio Costanzo was an influence of mine. I was a Bone fan growing up. A lot of their art, um, along with Cypress Hill and some other people, really influenced you know my taste. And art and their brand, so I had things I really wanted to do and and show out, and I felt I was kind of hindered. You know, I felt like I was kind of handicapped from doing something awesome. Um, but you know, we did it, and you know, they loved it. Cox yeah. loved it. Lazy loved it. I lazy uh came to town after the Thug Stories came out. He came to town, and they did a show and. My group opened up for him and then we hung out a little bit afterwards. Um, Powder was there. Um, oh, wow. And, and Lazy had told me, you know, he's like, oh, man, you did an awesome job with that, uh, with the thug stories, man. I love that, bro. I'm going to get you this Interscope album. And I, you know, I didn't necessarily take it to heart just because, you know, the politics of the game. I learned a lot more then about, like, how the game works and how budgets work and, you know, I was like, "All right, cool," but you know, due to prior conversations with Steve LaBelle, I felt like that probably wasn't. Gonna happen. I mean, Steve told me it wasn't going to happen. You know, I talked to Steve on the phone, and Steve pretty much said, "Look, bro, you're not doing the Interscope record. Um, stay over at Kosh and get your bread." And I was. What, like, was was right. there? A,
1: what was the reason that that was kind of given that you you wouldn't be doing Strength and Loyalty?
0: I mean, probably because I wasn't. Um, seasoned veteran at the time. You know, when they were at, when they went to uh, Interscope, they were trying to, you know, it was supposed to be their comeback album, and they were trying to work with the best. Like, they were trying to, you know, musically and artistically, yeah. they were going all out. Like, Interscope really put a budget out there for them. I mean, they matched that motherfucking budget to the wall. Oh, yeah. They ran with it. Um, But you know, Steve had told me, because Lazy told me to call Steve. And me and Steve had had kind of a funny history anyway, you know, prior to that. You know, me and him had got into a couple of different arguments and shit. And, you know, when I was young, I was very difficult to work with because I was very ignorant of the way the industry works. I was very ignorant of of, um, just the politics of the game. And inside of that, you know, me and Steve had a couple of run-ins. Not like we didn't, like, beef it out. We just had a couple of different disputes. And so I think Steve already had kind of a bad taste in his mouth for me. And I was kind of belligerent in my ignorance. You know, I had all these ideas, but I didn't really know the politics of executing them. Yeah. Know? so, yeah. you know, Lazy told me to call Steve. He said, call Steve about it. So I called Steve. Steve was like, look, bro, dope, did a great job with Tug story. Stay with Cod's, get your bread. You know, you're not going to do the Strength of Loyalty. You're not, at the time, it didn't even have a title. He said, You're not going to do the Interscope album. So I was like, All right, well, that's fine. You know, keep it moving. And then Steve's actually the one who called me and told me I was doing the Strength of Loyalty project. And from what I understand, that's on Lazy's word. Like, Lazy looked out for me. Like, Lazy, you know, he went to bat and made sure I got to do that project, which, again, you know, changed my entire life. Um,
1: from the bottom up and 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 you feel as if like doing that thug stories like you know album and and i mean even though it wasn't what you wanted i mean you said lazy was really happy with it i mean you feel like that's kind of what secured you that that strength and loyalty cover in the end
0: um i think so yeah i would think so because i mean that was the first time i'd done something for them I think also like originally it was supposed to be like a two panel album called like oh a, like it a, opens up one time you know like just a or four panel rather it's a four panel fold and because of the information or whatever it was going to be crammed and cot said they didn't have any more money in the budget to give me and i'm like i don't care i'll do the extra two or three panels or whatever so we have room yeah and you know, Cox was really happy about that. So they got a bigger package than, you know, what the budget allowed for. And just off the strength of, you know, the prior situation with, with Lay, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, I'm trying to, you know, like a token of homage or whatever. You know, I wanted to
1: extend that extra foot. And I turned around and did sure. the
0: exact same thing on
1: strength and loyalty. So okay so before we move into the strength and loyalty then uh because I, I do got a couple thug stories questions cuz that that album you know like you said it kind of happened right before uh they they dropped their their major return and that was the big I mean I wouldn't say the big but that was like the return before the return uh, and, and of course like you like you said it was on Koch it was independent um of course, there was pressure for you just just doing it because it was a Bone record. Did, but did you think about the just the fact that this was their first release since Thug World Order? I mean, did that add any extra pressure to you to make to make sure that this was was great? Because we hadn't up to that point we hadn't heard from Bone in a real long time. Like this was going to be the first right. thing we heard and saw from Bone in years. Yeah, right. No, absolutely because
0: yeah i absolutely feel like that and that's all the more reason i was disappointed we couldn't have a good photo shoot i was uh you know um i was kind of put in a corner and just had to make something from nothing you know and like yeah. when you're doing like industry album or release projects you can't just use like google images like you have copyright issues and things like that you know so, to whereas, like, when I was doing, like, a lot of mixtapes, a lot of underground stuff, I could just go to Google Images and just get whatever images I wanted to flush things out. You can't do that with, you know, with um, real releases. So, I was kind of pinched into a corner where I didn't really have any. In fact, the back of the CD, there's a picture of an old car. It like yeah. It's an old, uh, I don't remember if it was a Chevelle. I don't remember what it was. It was, like, an old car. My homie T-Mac gave me that picture. He came over and brought a bunch of pictures he took with an infrared film. And I just saw the back that back car the, the back of that car and I was like, "Hey, is it cool if I use this?" He's like, "I don't care." So that's what I used for the back of the album because we didn't have anything to use back there.
1: Was I, mean, I, I was I was going to ask you about the significance of the car because I noticed that uh all the bone artwork that you've done the the three major covers and and i don't know if you notice this but they they all have like a car uh that's prominent in in all your artwork for bone i have never noticed
0: that
1: yeah all, all I've, of I've it never, you...
0: thought, i've never thought about that
1: yeah so i was gonna ask you about that that car and and i've had other artists tell me that that you know you gotta you know that there is that the rules around what you're using so i know without having the photos that must have made it you know almost extra impossible but you did do a lot of i i guess out of the box like i noticed at the bottom that there's almost like three stick figures it looks like like maybe a grim reaper an angel and like an axeman um on, on the front cover can can you explain what like where where that came about like what made you decide to do that
0: uh, I mean, probably indirectly inspired by the art of war, you know, the art of war, they had the skeletons with the weapons and shit and, yeah. you know, their stuff was very mystical and otherworldly, you know, especially in the nineties. And that's something that I kind of miss from them because, you know, after art of war, their shit, their whole image started to change. You know, they started wearing like bright colored matching jerseys and they started, um, you know, after Art of War, like, their brand started, like, their actual image and brand started to kind of change. And I personally wasn't a fan of, like, where they were going. And I was kind of confused by it. I was like, well, what do y'all, like, how do you go from Art of War to, you know, doing some of the stuff y'all are doing visually? So yeah. I wanted to kind of create a callback to the East 99, Art of War, you know, the old bone. You know, I wanted to kind of bring that callback. And I wasn't sure how to do it. I just got a Wacom tablet, so I was just playing with, um, you know, drawing on my Wacom tablet, and I did the little stick figure-esque characters. I tried to make it kind of vibey and kind of old and um, almost biblical looking. I think there's, like, some Hebrew text, like, you know, like there's Hebrew pages of the Hebrew uh, the Torah that I overlaid over the images and stuff.
1: You know, I just tried to imply that old feeling that they had. Yeah, that, w- that was one of the questions, actually, that um, when, when I put up that we were doing this interview, that was one of the the things that uh, fans wanted to know. They had made note that that there was some sort of Arabic Hebrew letters uh, and even a newspaper article. And, and they wanted to know if that was just something that was stock or if there was something significant. Because we know in Bone artwork, so many things have been hidden over time. Um, the fans didn't yeah, know yeah. if that was significant or if that was just like a stock. Uh, thing or if those letters actually said something
0: no I mean they're part of the Hebrew Bible the Torah this is the Old Testament of the Bible I actually went to the public library and found uh, a Hebrew to English copy of the Torah so yeah you know on one page it would be Hebrew on one page it would be English it was kind of I don't know if it was a uh, some kind of educational but um, somebody at the public library. I just went and found anything I could find with Hebrew lettering on it. And it was the Torah. And I knew that, you know, the, the scriptures and stuff were pretty relevant to their, you know, image and their brand. So, yeah, I got that book from the library. I scanned it. and I, I don't know. I scanned four or five pages out of there. And I just used it as overlay as
1: like a feel, you know. What Was that the same situation on... Um strength on strength and loyalty there was also some kind of like hebrew or something like around the the front and, and under the disc was that the same like was that the same thing <laughs> no the the strength and loyalty you
0: know and this is kind of funny because it's a, it's a tad bit embarrassing because i didn't realize what i was doing i would i had found this font and i don't remember the name of the font but there was a font i'd found and it looked cool and it looked mystical and I think like on the cover there's that circle and it's behind the disc and it's like to me it looked cool and it looked mystical and it's just their names. I think it just says like Lazy, Crazy, Busy, Wish, and Flesh in this oh, font. Oh shit! And the uh, it ended up being like either similar or the same font as they used on Lord of the Rings, which was not intentional. I wasn't thinking of Lord of the Rings when I did it, but after it came out, people were like. Why well, they got Lord of the Rings text on here and I'm not a Lord of the Rings <laughs> fan so I wasn't up on game you know and then I was like ah
1: oh. oh, that's that's still crazy to hear like you know that's the stuff as fans like even though it, you know it ended up being the Lord of the Rings thing like I I could give a shit less about that honestly I I love hearing that that that, that text actually meant something and that uh that you said that it may have even said like Busybone and and flesh aren't on this album, but if that says crazy, lazy, busy, wish you know, and flesh on yeah. the front, like that's that's crazy to know that that uh that that homage to the whole group was still in there, so well, that's to that's me, awesome. To I hear. knew no one.
0: Well, to me, I knew no one would know that, but me, because I mean, if like the group or Steve or Bell had known that, they would have thrown a fit. But like to me. I felt personally like I wanted to include Busy and Flesh in it. No one can read it. It's not legible. It's not actual letters. It's just, you know, it's iconography. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, for me, it was my personal way of putting something in there, you know, for a, you know, a bigger thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, even like, out, like again, I wasn't hip on Lord of the Rings like that. Um, but when people started, I saw some of the feedback about it. And people were saying, "Why well, i you got the Lord of the Rings text. And I was like, "Oh man, that's you know," but it was what it was.
1: Yeah, Bone Bone fans are we we are a rare breed. Like we we pick out every single thing, so you know they <laughs> know. They, see, they see that stuff quick. Um, but the, you know the the strength and loyalty is is one of my uh, favorite covers uh, that that Bone has. I just I, I really I guess enjoy the wow. just the the contrast. I like that they were wearing the white on the front so i have always liked that um moving into that album you had said that lazy was like who really pitched for you to end up getting that uh when when you locked it down how did the the concept come up i mean was this something that you had to work closely with the label or bone or was this pretty much like dumped into your lap and and you were told just make it happen
0: well it was a crash course in- working with the majors i'd never worked with the majors i was kind of in over my head and i didn't really fully understand what i signed up for like technically i was contracted as art director so i thought in my brain that meant i'm going to create creatively control the visual brand of this album and i had a bunch of ideas that i wanted to do when I started talking to the Interscope staff um, about the project. I realized I was kind of at odds because we had different visions. I had pictured something more in the lines of, like, if you are, remember the early G-Unit artwork? Yeah. Um, like, the early, like, the if you think of, like, the G-Unit's first group album, the Beg for Mercy record i yeah, picture absolutely. something more like that visually i i in my brain like when we did the creative call with interscope i think the stylist was on the phone china um jonathan manion was on the phone he's a photographer he's a phenomenal photographer um jonathan Mannion has done everybody you know he did the uh, all the jay-z's covers he did dmx covers He'd done um, a Phoenix Accord, like, Jonathan Manning is world-renowned. Like He's a phenomenal, world-class photographer. And I was excited to be working with him. And I was really excited, so I started pitching all these ideas I wanted to bring to the table. And, you know, they all kind of got shot down. Like, you know, I'd picture something very dark and gloomy. I'd picture them in, like, Dickies and Chucks and Lokes and... Um, you know, like an abandoned house kind of feel. That's where I was kind of leaning towards. I'd wanted like, I originally wanted like an abandoned house in Cleveland with like candles lit and them and all black with some logs. I was thinking a real Ease 99 vibe, you know, that's where I was at in my brain. Yeah. And in- Interscope like shut me down. They were like, no, we want like bathing apes and, you know, we want to do bring them into, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, this isn't Bones brand. Like, we're working with Jonathan Mannion. We got, like, one of the best photographers on the planet. Um, I've been following their career since I was a child, you know, from um, the style and the branding aspect from the art, and I had a very precise vision I wanted to execute. And Interscope pretty much took that and said, no, we're not doing any of that, Um, which was kind of frustrating because I was like, you know, I'm contracted as art director, but nobody was really taking my art direction. So mm. um, we went to, they left all the locations up to Jonathan Mannion. He did a good job. We went up there, uh, I think it was September of 06. We went to Cleveland to do the photo shoot. I came into town. That photo shoot was insane. I'd never seen it. I'd never been a part of anything that. Big before, because, I mean, again, Jonathan Manning is world-class. He had a dope team with him. And they had scouted I don't know how many locations. I mean, it was insane. The photo shoot went from 6 a.m. till I think 4 a.m. the next morning, like nonstop. Wow. We we uh, we had to be on location uh, on East 99 in St. Clair. The corner is where we started at at like 6 a.m. And there was a legion of people out there. I mean, I don't, I mean, there had to be a hundred people that came out. And so we started off in the morning on the corner of East 99 and St. Clair. And we worked our way. We worked our way all the way down, all the way down St. Clair. Uh, We went to like a garage. We went to like a parking lot. We went to the Cleveland Indian stadium. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just a long photo shoot, man. That thing, I mean, I think we probably got five or
1: 10,000 pictures. Yeah, it's amazing. Man, you it's,
0: you yeah, sent me a lot of them.
1: Um, and, it, and it was incredible to just see how much, you know, shooting that that was done for. Now, let, let me, I just want to make sure, I'm just going to back up a small step. Did you go two different times? Did you do the... um the the photo shoot and then were you also on location for the the i tried video shoot it looked like there was a lot of photos done yeah. uh then as well Yeah I was I was at both of those shoots
0: um the i tried video we did in february of 07 well see the album was supposed to come out in december or no no the, the album was originally supposed to come out in november of 06 so we did the out we did the photo shoot in september of 06 and I was thinking I was going to have, you know, a month to work on this shit. And they kept pushing the album back. It went from November to December, and then it got pushed back to February, and it got pushed back to March, and then got pushed back to April. And then I think it eventually came out in June or July, something like that. But, I mean, it got pushed back a whole lot. And in February of 07 is when we went to do the I Tried video. Uh, me and my man Big Fella went up there for that. We get into town. Um, Akon's there the first night. We're on location. Um, they shoot like all the shots with Acon were shot that night when we first get into town. And during over the night time, a blizzard came through and it was like the worst blizzard since nineteen seventy two or something crazy. It was like negative twenty three degrees. It was insane. So we got snowed in this hotel um with bone and their homies and it was it was like it was it was really crazy and then we had to go out and shoot in the snow and like when we were on location shooting the i tried video it was literally negative 20 degrees outside and the snow was like waist high wow Um, what was was there was there a
1: reason that go ahead Mm -hmm. no go ahead I, I was just going to say, was, now, was there a reason, I, I, I mean, obviously having you on location um, for the photo shoot that was going to be in the album um, made sense. Was was there a particular request or reason um, that they wanted you on location for, you know, the video shoot as well? Uh,
0: for professionally? No, nah, I don't think so. I think Lazy just said, hey, man, we shooting the video if you want to come up, come on. So, um, you know, I hollered at my homie, and uh, we just hopped in the car and drove up to Cleveland. I mean, a, I think it's a nine-hour drive from here. Wow. But so we just drove up to be a part of the process, and um, it was uh, it was crazy, man. It was like yeah. the, the snow was insane. We got trapped. We were only supposed to be there for, I think, like three or four days, and we ended up being trapped up there for a whole week. We couldn't even leave. The interstates were shut down. They were originally shooting the I Tried movie there in Cleveland. Um, And because of the snow, they had to shut down and move production to Los Angeles. So originally the I Tried movie was them never coming to L.A. It was supposed to be them, you know, they never made it to L.A. And they all grew up in Cleveland. The whole movie was supposed to take place in Cleveland. And I was actually in the movie because they shot part of it while I was while we were there shooting, I tried a video they actually shot part of the movie. Um, I didn't have a talking part, but I was in a couple of the scenes in the background and were shooting it. Like I said, we were trapped there for a week. But it was too expensive. Nobody could work. The snow, everything was shut down. So they just shut down the the set and relocated to L.A. and did the whole thing out there.
1: (laughs) But originally, it was being shot in Cleveland. Yeah, I I was going to say, you know, You you had mentioned just being snowed in and and you know just um a lot a lot of Bones homies around. You sent me so many photos. I've shared a lot of them with the the Beyond the Harmony audience uh, in two different uh, videos that we've put up. And you know during that shoot we actually saw that Bone had some reunions um, with with former Mo Thug Soldier Boy and even during yeah. the uh, the I believe the actual photo shoot Mohart was there. Right. And we even saw an original band-aid boys member named Kay chill was in some of the photos so it's like it seemed like everybody was turning out um you know being in the mix of that it just must have been energy through the roof i mean cleveland must have been just you know on fire to know that bowen was back and especially thinking about that time you know they they hadn't been doing much so gearing up for this album and uh you guys are running around the city doing all these photos it it just must have been a huge buzz for you guys um I wanted to know, you had mentioned that when they were taking the photos, did did they request any, like, input from you as, like, an artist as to, like, what kind of photos they should have? Or did they just kind of shoot and then you just kind of get the, the photos after?
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of funny because, like, during the shoot I mean wanted to speak on the mo thug members like i I was a fan of the Mo thug stuff, especially the first album. the second album was cool, but the first mo thug album i was I was a huge fan of as a teenager I think it was like thirteen fourteen when that shit came out
3: yeah, and that you
0: know i mean that was a huge impact on my life um because of like the lifestyle I lived and you know um my circumstances that album in particular was a huge impact on my personal life. And I was a fan of like the Soldier Boys and the Hustlers and the uh, Graveyard Shift. Like those were people I was real fans of. So to get to when I got there, when when they showed up on set, I was like, oh snap! I didn't even recognize Soldier Boy. I think somebody called his name. Somebody was like Soldier Boy, and I turned around. I was like, oh, that's Soldier Boy. Okay, cool. And I started seeing all these Mo Thug members show up. These ex people show up, and it was, I mean, I'm standing on East 99 in St. Clair, and I'm there with Bone, and I'm there, you know, some of the Mo Thug members. It was like, you know, as a person who grew up looking up to them and, you know, them having so much influence on my brain as a young person, um, it was really kind of magical.
1: It was like, man, I'm on
0: East 99 in St. Clair with Bone, and, you know, it was like a real kind of surreal experience, you know, but I had assumed that they brought me up to contribute artistically, being that I'm the so-called creative director, which is what's on my contract, I would assumed that, you know, I was there to have my input. And when I was young, I was very outgoing and and, um, outspoken. So I'd never like really held my tongue. I was very kind of belligerent in like my ideas. And I think I just annoyed everybody. 'Cause I was like trying to like work with Jonathan Manny, who's a legend. I mean, Jonathan Man at this point is like, you know, he just flown back from Paris or somewhere shooting Tyra Banks and shit. You know what I mean? So, you know, I think they thought, Who is this kid? I was like I was young as hell. I think I was like twenty two, twenty three, something like that. Um, I was young, I was hungry, I was broke, and I had a bunch of ideas and I'm thinking I'm here. Let's shoot like this. Let's shoot like that. Let's get this angle. And, you know, people were kind of just brushing me off. Like, yeah, okay, dude. Like, all right, man. I'm like, hey, man, let's get this alley shot right here. Like, you know, and they were like, yeah, okay, man. That's cool, (laughs) you know. And the whole process was, like, really awesome and kind of disappointing at the same time because, I mean, I didn't really need to be there. No one really wanted my input. And... I think I just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, Just because, again, I didn't understand the politics of the situation. I didn't know what I was in. I had a misunderstanding of my role because of creative director implied to me I was going to be, like, overseeing the creative process. So I think I kind of annoyed people more than anything. But it was still, like, a really cool experience. Um, I'd never been on something that big. And, like, when I say that big, even to this day, I've never been on a photo shoot that was that elaborate. I mean, we've set up shop and broke down shop and reset up shop and broke down shop. I mean, it had to be 30 times. I mean, the wardrobe, there was one thing that I absolutely threw a fit about. And, I mean, it's, it's silly now, but China, who was there as a girl, I think she was from New York. She was the stylist for the project. And um, she had all these clothes that she had got for him. And there was one point she wanted to put them in these, like, really shiny gold hoodies that had, like, rhinestones all over them. It was, like, totally off-brand for bone thugs. It was, like, some real, they were, like, bright, shiny, it's like some shit Puppy would wear. It was, like, you wouldn't want to see bone in, like, shiny gold hoodies with, like, rhinestones all over them. And I remember they came off the uh, wardrobe trailer wearing these shiny gold hoodies, and I just kind of like, yo, no we can't do i mean i remember arguing with somebody there on the set like yo this is bone man what are y'all doing (laughs) you know and um they didn't do those pictures they you know they they changed they changed uh they put i think they put on those white hoodies is what they ended up putting on originally they were like
1: super gold hoodies yeah yeah i like those white hoodies um I, I at least yeah. liked that they were wearing like white on the front. I on the front of the cover. I, I thought that was something kind of just new, and uh, and different. I didn't like, and and I know what you're talking about. Around that time, they were kind of just trying a little bit of different shit. Like I even noticed, um, I can't remember which picture, but like they were wearing the white hoodies, and even one of those white hoodies had like black rhinestone like skulls on it. Uh, so so they were kind of pushing that that different that just that different feel um and 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 this was different for us as fans too to kind of see I guess the commercialized bone because we were so used to them either with Ruthless or you know I guess going by themselves full surface being a major label uh it, it was a it was a really different thing. Uh it must have been really different for you as well. You had mentioned like the submission for Koch. They were, you know, they were really happy with the artwork. Everything, you know, w- went fine there. When you submitted the initial artwork for strength and loyalty, uh what what was that like? Was that process really different? I mean, did they did they reject a lot of it, or I mean did a lot of your stuff just immediately get through? Well,
0: no, it was um well initially. They said, okay, photo shoot's done, and then they're going to send me the contact sheets, which is what I sent y'all a few of those. They sent me these contact sheets, man. I mean, this thing was like, man, three inches thick of just contact sheets. Amazing. Um, It had to be like 10,000 pictures, and they're like, go through the contact sheets, select the ones you want, and then send us the numbers. And then, you know, we'll send you the actual high-resolution photographs. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. So I got the contact sheets in the mail. I go through the contact sheets. And, I mean, I'll probably pick, like, I'll probably pick, like, 100 pictures um, to, to choose from. Because my creative process usually is, you know, I kind of pick a lot of things. And then I develop some different comps
1: oh cairo, are you still with me oh well, i think we uh think we lost cairo um probably momentarily I'm sure we'll get him to, to call back in here john um yeah well well, well, we have him off though i'm i'm loving this I'm loving this interview this is uh, it's, it's, it's actually kind of nice that, that he dropped off. Cause I'm sure he's about to call back in and it, and it gives me a little break. Cause man, I, it always is so much more than I expect, especially, I mean, how good, how good is Kyra Wolf's story so far, bro? Like so much more than I expected. It, this is,
2: yeah, I'm sitting back the same.
1: It, it's like everything I wanted
2: to hear, I'm hearing, Especially, I mean, I really loved hearing about uh, you know, the Torah being put in the background of uh, both of these covers um, and, and a couple of those other things about these covers, especially the back with the with the with the car. And um, it's just bringing this artwork to life, you know, actually getting to hear it from the artist that did it. It's
1: yeah, definitely. I, I think pretty, we I think we got cool. him back. here. Let, let's see. Kyra, are you back with us? I
0: am, man. Sorry,
1: we got interrupted. Oh, it's all good. You uh, you were actually, you were just saying something about that. Uh, I, I believe you were saying something like you make a lot of um maybe proofs or like mock-ups uh, and then and, and, and you got cut off. Got you. So yeah, like
0: I would say my normal process
1: would be, you know, I take a
0: handful of prime pictures and then I work up different comps for submission. And when I sent Interscope all my selections, they directly emailed me back and they were like, no, like Jonathan Mannion charges us X amount of dollars for each photo, so <laughs> you can't do this. What you're going to do is you're going to scan those the little pictures that you have, the contact sheets, and make a really crappy copy of what you think the cover should be. And then once that gets approved, we'll send you the real one the real photo and then you can remake it in high resolution
1: and that yeah. totally
0: shot me in the foot creatively because yeah i was immediately i felt immediately caged like well shit you know so um and i just started scanning like the little low ones and trying to submit them but then, i mean like they're so small even with a high resolution scan, they're blurry and fuzzy, and you know, what I mean, it's like you can't really get a good idea of the album
1: cover. Um, and and for people listening that have never or... done anything like this, when when you take a picture and and you digitally stretch it and then you try to work with it, the the pixels are completely blown out. It makes it very difficult to to just work with. Um, so to try to produce something and and say this is what it's going to look like, there there's no way to. Uh, to really produce something and and say, it's gonna look like this and and feel good about it with something stretched and and blurred and looking looking so poor.
0: Exactly, there's no way to make it look good. I mean, you get the general idea of what I'm thinking, but there's no way to make it look good. So I felt immediately constrained by that. And then, um, but I did, I went through, did the contact sheets. I think we ended up, whatever pictures are in the booklet is the pictures they ended up approving. Um, the original, I think I did like three or four original comps for it. Um, they picked the one with the three of them and the white hoodies. Uh, the the one I liked had all of them had their heads down, like they were looking down, like almost in like us pr- like prayer kind of. They kind of like they were praying. That's yeah. the one I liked better, but. I guess Interscope had felt differently. They were like, no, we need their faces. They're looking down. They need to be looking at the camera. So Interscope picked that picture that's on the cover. Um, the crazy bone was from a different picture. We had to cut it in there, I think. Um, I think I had to cut the crazy bone in that shot. So, I mean, like I said, it was a huge learning curve. I was learning a whole lot of stuff, you know, working with the majors for the first time. Um you know it, it it was a it was an interesting process man it was a creative pro it was a it was a definitely a creative uh learning curve for me and like how they put these projects together
1: yeah actually uh i believe i i have a copy of of one of those john uh, my co-host just sent it to me in in the chat and i and i can see it it's lazy bone kind of looking down it almost looks a lot like the current cover but they're they're in a different pose and i i actually really Mm -hmm. like that one as well um something i wanted to say to you too uh and we kind of just got off track but i thought it was really interesting that you had initially wanted the cover to kind of look like uh, the g unit the beg for mercy because i've always thought that beg for mercy uh borrowed its concept from creeping on a come up because tony yeo was in jail and and they put him on the building and of course we you know flesh and bone wasn't there so i I thought that was really crazy that that you know that g-unit was the inspiration because i i think that they totally use creeping on a come up as their inspiration there
0: yeah probably 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 so what i also learned during you know my time in the industry is once you get past the, uh, the independent, local, underground level, um, most of the time the artists themselves don't have shit to do with their creative, with, with their uh, with their image or like what their album covers are like. They approve them. Of course, the artists usually say, yeah, I like this one or not. But yeah. the creative process doesn't really have anything to do with the group. And that's what I learned leaked. Working on strength and loyalty, and it was confirmed through working on other projects throughout you know my career. But you know, learning that was kind of disappointing. You know, like it was kind of like you find out that like yo, like it's like listening to the interview with uh Julio Costanzo. You know, what I mean, it's like you know, Bond didn't have anything to do with the creative process on those album covers. They just yeah. you know they got shown them and they said thumbs up and kept it moving. And a lot of the things that I loved about them growing up was a lot of things, they didn't have anything to do with them. Like the don't get right. props to the devil stuff, like the hidden stuff. And like all that stuff influenced my own work. Like I got hide stuff in my artwork all the time. Um, I mean, there's a couple of hidden things in the bone, in the strength and loyalty and in the uh, thug stories project I hid. Uh, I think there's a Grin reaper somewhere in the strength and loyalty. Like there's the, where they're sitting on East 99 in St. Clair uh, crazy bone sitting in the forefront. Like there's like a light switch or something behind him. I don't remember. I have to go look, but there's like a grand reaper hidden in there somewhere. Um, Oh, shit. Back of it. There's like a skull hidden somewhere in there. So I like, I, I, I was influenced by, you know, Julio Costanzo's, you know, work and like, you know, using the platform to like hide messages. And one of the big things I did, I, um was drawn to what that i loved about bones album covers was there was always all this hidden cool shit, you know that you had to go you know it was like an easter egg hunt you know you had to go like fine and like easy hanging like easy sitting in the cover of east 99 up there in the corner yeah you know when i first noticed that as a teenager
1: like that shit blew my brain i was like
0: oh snap
1: yeah we you know second, it's you know go ahead I, I was just gonna say it's it's you know when when you talk about that that Julio Costanzo and and you know finding out that Bone didn't have anything to do with that you know we we kind of felt like we told all the Bone fans like you know like Santa Claus wasn't real when when we re, you know we yeah. re, re, re put that out because. You know that that's what you hope the whole time is that you know they put these visual concepts together and we found out that it was julio costanzo and actually donald cunningham as well who had so much to do with their visuals and and even like right. you know a lot of their videos he helped with the art of war um you know and we and we know eternal to just be the the holy grail of a you know of a their artwork uh so something that you had said was you, you kind of wanted to bring it back to that style and just one thing that yeah. i thought maybe a nod to that album or that style was I, I noticed that the finish on the the actual cd for strength and loyalty uh yeah. really reminded me of the same finish that they used on eternal you kind of had to hold it in the you know in yeah. the light to see it Was 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 that your idea and was that intentional or did mm-hmm. that just kind of work out that way no, that was my idea. That's something I wanted to do. I actually wanted to do it for Thug Stories. If you remember,
0: Thug Stories had the red disc with the skulls on it. Yeah. Um, my That's originally what I wanted Thug Stories. Koch told me they couldn't do it. They said, you know, that can't be done. I'm like, well, it can, because I'm holding a copy. He's 99. Like, I know it can be done. They were like, no, it can't. They can't do that. And I was like, whoop! somehow <laughs> it can be done. Okay. Um, when I got the strength and loyalty, that was important to me. I wanted to uh, do a throwback to East 99 and with the disc and Interscope was like, yeah, cool, no problem like whatever. So they had me send over the artwork and just black and white vector, you know, like everything that, you know, the The print on the disc was was the design was black. Yeah, I think they just printed it in like a some kind of a clear base or something. I don't remember what the process was, but. That was definitely my idea, and it was a throwback to the East 99. I actually wanted to do a lot of stuff like that, and I was kind of roadblocked from, um, uh, you know, the label kind of roadblocked me from some of that stuff because I guess Bone, because of prior things, of, like, people saying they worship the devil. They were got real paranoid about having hidden stuff in their artworks. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing LaBelle calling me and asking me, like, what the letters on the front of the cover mean. And, you know, I told him, it just says crazy bone, lazy bone, wish bone. And he was like, okay. And there was like a paranoia about, like, there being some kind of, like, you know, evil stuff hidden in their artwork or something. You know what I mean? It was, I mean, it's kind of silly, but they were kind of paranoid about it. I I'd first I, My first run in and realizing that they weren't responsible for a lot of the things that I loved about their brand was via actual crazy bone in person. Um, I talked to Crazy Bone on the phone after after Strength and Loyalty when we did the, when we approached Chasing the Devil the first time um, because I did the first comps for Chasing the Devil and I think a couple of those leaked out online, but they weren't even finished album covers. They were just like rough comp ideas on based on me and him's conversation. But when I was talking to him on the phone, he was, uh, I was asking him about like art of war, like what, you know, the stuff, like the paint on your face, did that mean? Like, what did that stuff mean on your face? And he was like, I don't know. He said the creative people came up with that. I just told him, don't put nothing evil on me. Yeah. And don't, you know, and I was, I was like, what? And like, I started talking to him about their packaging and their brand. And I realized the crazy bone didn't know any of this shit. He didn't know. He didn't know any of the stuff I was talking about. He said he like heard about some of the stuff but he didn't know what any of it meant it was just like he was completely clueless and then a bunch of their career ended up making sense to me because i was like how can you think this way and now you're doing this stuff over here you've abandoned this and once i realized that they were never responsible for that and didn't even really understand it then it made sense to me like oh okay i see like why y'all's image turned because y'all weren't responsible for some of that and you didn't even really understand the power of the brand that you had. And that was disappointing to me as a fan, you know, um, personally it was a disappointment, but you know, um, back in the day, back in the, you know, eighties and nineties, you know, you had labels, they had professionals who controlled things. The artists mainly just performed. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, the, a lot of the magic in the music industry is gone because of that because a lot of the people who come up came up with a lot of those dope ideas you know quit the music business once budgets got cut and they couldn't eat off of it anymore
1: yeah eternal has always been one of those things that you know was just incredible like you said it, it built it but it also did build the stigma like are they are they devil worshippers uh, you know, we, we we didn't have the internet back then, so it wasn't that easy to just jump on and and find out. So it's like the the heavy assumption was, well, look at the artwork, listen to the intros, and you know, a lot of us forget like <clears throat> when Easy, you know, first brought them on. Easy was into a lot of that shit, the the slowed down voice and the and the reverse voices and shit. That you know, Easy was really into that kind of stuff, and I think wanted to push that. And uh, now we're finding out, you know, as time goes on, that Bone was always, you know, what they said, very religious, um, not into the the devil stuff at all. Right. Uh, you know, so it, it is crazy to think just how much influence, you know, someone like you as an artist could have on a musical artist and, and they just have no idea. Um, right. Wrapping up the the strength and loyalty, you know, we know that you did the the chase the devil project and and i believe in your interview with the goat you you had said that you and crazy actually started talking about chasing the devil while you guys were doing strength and loyalty um so we know that this was a project that crazy bone had been working on for a long time but there was like an eight year gap i believe between strength and loyalty and, and chasing the devil and there was no work between you and bone uh during that time so how did how did things kind of fast forward and you ended up back in working with, you know, at least crazy bone again.
0: Um, well, I don't know that crazy bone knows that I did chasing the devil. I mean, he might know now. I don't think he knew when I was doing the actual real chasing the devil, that I was the same person. Um, like I said, I think I kind of, You know, in my youth, when I was younger, I was very headstrong and outspoken and belligerent, almost in a Tupac-esque way. Not comparing myself to Tupac at all, but my personality was kind of uh, overbearing, and I had all these ideas in my head. And I was more focused on executing my ideas, and I didn't really have, because of my upbringing, I didn't have good social skills. Because um, like I, I never went to high school or middle school, and you know, I haven't been to school since I was 10. So I spent most of my teenage years by myself. Um, so I had all these ideas, but I didn't have very good people skills. I just just a loud mouth, dude full of all these ideas. So I think on strength and loyalty, I kind of rubbed, especially Crazy Bone, the wrong way. You know because I was trying to direct the photo shoot and I was trying to like have my input and I wasn't really picking up the social signs that people weren't really receiving my input and I should probably just sit up and enjoy the pro shut up and enjoy the process um when we first started talking about doing the chasing the devil the first time um we had a lot of really cool phone conversations and he was sending me pictures and I was working with his photographer and he had these ideas he wanted to bring to life. And I had a meeting with him in Atlanta. I was living in Atlanta at the time and I had a meeting with him. I showed up to the meeting and like immediately when I showed up to the meeting, like his, i had been talking to him on the phone for like, I don't know, three or four months. And when I showed up to meet with him, when they came to Atlanta, it was an immediate, when he recognized me from the SNL stuff, because, again, I don't think he realized it was me he was talking to on the phone. And when he saw me in person, there was an immediate, like, disengagement there. Like, when I showed up to the meeting, he immediately became disengaged. And he never answered my phone call again. Um, mm-hmm. I never talked to him again after that. And that was kind of weird. uh. I don't know why like i said all i can attribute it to is when i was young i was very belligerent i might have just annoyed people or i don't know like either way like crazy was kind of a quiet reserved person i spent minimal time around him in person but the time i did like i said i'm kind of a loud and um overbearing person or I used to be i've calmed down a lot you know with age but i think i just rubbed him the wrong way so he just ghosted me you know after i after that meeting you know, on contact before the meeting even started. He just kind of, like, shut the fuck down, and it got weird. And then he just never answered my phone call again. Fast forward years later, um, my manager, my manager, Josh Fisher, who I met through Interscope, he worked at Interscope at the time, and – um my relationship I built with him when he left Interscope, he went into management, and I'm one of the people he chose to pick up and run with. He had some relationships, and I guess they would reached out to him. Bobby Francis, who I had worked with briefly on the Unified project, Bobby Francis had uh, called, called my manager, Josh, about having us do the Strength of Loyalty Project, and we did a conference called Crazy Bone. Again, I don't think he knows that I'm, that I'm me. I don't think he put two and two together.
1: So how then? How did it end up uh, that that you know that your that your piece actually became the artwork that was used? Then
0: because Bobby Francis at the time was managing Crazy Bone and, and reached out to Fish about doing the uh, Chasing the Devil cover for the real one that actually came out yeah and I like again, I don't crazy didn't really have he had an idea of what he wanted. He wanted to have like the the city he wanted to have all the trappings of sin like his idea was he wanted a mountain and he wanted all these things to represented fame and fortune, you know, and that was kind of his vague idea and I just kind of put the project together myself, and they loved it um that for me, I took as kind of a personal project. Cause I kind of felt like I had something to prove with the Bone fans, you know, with the Bone brand in, in general.
1: And so, what I want
0: to do with Chasing the Devil was I want to do a throwback to the old Bone and like the whole idea of Faces of Death, not the album, but the actual uh, movies that came out like back in the 80s and 90s. There were these movies called Faces of Death. I used to watch them a lot when I was a teenager. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it used to float around, and so like I in my in my brain, the way I pictured the Chasing Devil cover was kind of like an '80s horror movie poster. Like that's what I was thinking of when I was doing it, and I put all kinds of hidden. And it originally had a Ouija board on the cover, and um, like in the middle of all, it was the same cover, but there was like a Ouija board in there and some other stuff. from Crazy Bone wanted that stuff taken out. He didn't want the Ouija board on the cover. Um. And they hate the Ouija
1: yeah, so board. Like for, they, they stray as far away from that as possible now. Mm. Well, I think in their, in, I think in their older
0: age, they've kind of become more religious and more, yeah. you know, um, yeah, they've become more religious and more, uh, involved in their religion. And I think they want to stray away from that. But, you know, I mean, it's all this evil shit going on, you know what I mean? I figured a Ouija board made sense, but he wanted it take off the cover. But my goal was to make that cover, the Chasing the Devil co- the, Chasing the Devil cover, I wanted to make for the fans. That's who I made it for. I made it for y'all and for their fan base. I wanted to give that throwback to, like, an old horror movie, you think, Freddy Krueger-style movie poster. So um, I've spent a lot of time on that cover, man. Like, it's pretty much all illustrated. I use photo references, but I illustrated pretty much that whole cover.
1: And I think I spent like a month working on it. I, I was going to say, chasing but, the devil is a different style than we previously saw for your bone artwork. I mean, you know, yeah. your, your previous stuff was very digital. Um, what, what brought the change to go from the digital style that we were used to to this illustrated style that I actually believe now seems to really be like, you know, the Kyra Wolf trademark uh, look. Um, my illustration like
0: i i got a wacom tablet um i mean i grew up drawing my whole life so my parents were artists And my whole life i've been drawing um illustrating pictures and i think around 2005 i got a wacom tablet and i wasn't very good with it at first because it didn't have the screen on the tablet like it connected to your computer and so you had to look at your actual computer monitor why you drew with your hand. And I wasn't used to uh, drawing without looking at my hand. So there was a huge learning curve in trying to figure out how to use the the tablet. I couldn't even sign my name and make it look right initially because I'm just not used to not looking at my hand while I'm drawing. So it was a kind of a barrier. And over time, I just kept working with it so I got better and better with my Wacom tablet. And as I got better with my, my Wacom tablet, then i incorporated more of it into my art and then i started like painting over the top of album covers you know i would do an album cover using photos then i just go paint over the top of it and add all these highlights and you know just cool shit i just kind of expanded so as my as my uh technique developed my art changed and kind of grew
1: with it you know yeah i um i really you know the, it's such a different piece of art the you know that cover and i i remember reading the interview that you did with with the goat for btnh board and you know at that time and and i believe this was actually before you'd even launched it um you, you and him were just talking about how uh bone fans may not have necessarily been been feeling it but you know i paid very close attention to what what you had said about it and and yeah. <clears throat> i was telling john before you you came on that i'm like i may not have even grasped how bone this was uh you you had mentioned just the different elements of early uh bone artwork uh the illustration part taken from the flesh and bone thugs album the red skies right. that took from mo thug one it also felt like i was seeing like look into my eyes. I noticed the snake, which Crazy Bone often references the snake in the grass. We got a pyramid from Mothug. Even the mountain in the background kind of reminds me of the mountain from the Crossroads video. Uh, I saw a Grammy in there, an hourglass that made me think of the first of the month. I mean, this cover is full of Bone references. And don't think I missed it. I saw Easy e in the window and for the love of the money on the bills as well. Uh, So I know your feeling at that time was that the fans you know, may not be feeling it and we're probably missing how bone thugs it is. Now Now that they've had time to sit on this, do you feel like the cover has been more accepted and that your vision is more understood?
0: I don't know because I haven't been in tune. I remember when I was working on the cover, I was really excited because I felt like personally, I felt like I was going to be able to give the bone fans something that they'd always wanted. I knew that I was really amped about working on it and, being a, a a bone fan growing up and them having so much influence on my eye and my ear and the way I perceive art, um and I felt like after art of war, I never got um that bone again. after art of war, like bone turned into something else that I didn't personally identify with. It didn't interest me, you know, visually, right. like their album covers and their and their photo shoots and their. it it didn't have the same magic in it. It didn't have the same thing about it. And I felt like it was my opportunity to really give the Bone fans something that they would cherish and appreciate. And when the album cover got released, I remember I went on the Bone board for like the first time in, I don't know, a decade or something crazy. Um, And I just saw the responses and all the responses were negative. All the fans were like, this sucks. This looks like some underground mixtape bullshit like the responses were like really hard people hated it and i was like really confused because i thought you know being a bone fan i I had assumed that i understood what the fan base wanted i i assumed that you know what i was doing was for the fans i wasn't even doing it for crazy bone like i didn't really care about you know crazy bone personally in that way for it to be for him i was doing it for the fans you know and i have nothing against crazy bone as a person like he's cool like we've never really had a relationship at all but for me i was for me i was trying to create something for the fans that i felt would mean a lot to them and you know the immediate response was mostly negative from what i could remember reading and i felt really kind of like oh damn like i worked for you know, I think I worked on that painting for like a month or two, and uh, it was it was kind of a disappointing thing for me because again, like the whole purpose of doing what I did was for the fans. You know, I tried to create the album cover that I would have like been blown away by as a teenager, and you know, I just kind of missed the mark. I, over time, I don't know how the fans perceive it. I haven't I haven't followed up with you know that was kind of my last. That was kind of my last stint in bone world we you know, we talked john
1: and i um so, sometimes i i think the it goes right over bone fans heads unfortunately like your the the album because i mean it even went over mine until i i you know i read your interview with john and then it all clicked i was like oh shit, he's a he's 100 percent right like this is how the thugs cover looked with flesh and bone uh there is so many references, uh, on that crazy bone chasing the, the, the devil cover that it's, it's insane. But you know, again, as a, as a fan, I just didn't notice them immediately. I think, um, I think what may be a great idea is I'm going to talk to you offline and uh, get the full scoop on it. And I'm probably going to do a, uh, a video on the cover, like a, a breakdown of it, because the fans are missing just how much uh bone stuff is going on there. I, I had mentioned that the um the easy e to you and and I actually have uh what I believe is probably like an earlier version of the cover. Um the the colors are a little bit different. Um right the girl the girls not holding the chain. The a bunch of the shit wasn't done to the mountain. But I noticed that the easy e in the building on that one looked like it was taken right out of uh cha- or uh, eternal. And then in the final version mm-hmm. it looks like maybe it was um changed up a little bit was there a reason why you kind of like tapered back on it looking just like easy because on on that first one i could see that this was clearly easy e in that window which i loved by the way i thought that was great uh i don't really remember i'd have to
0: go look i don't really remember why yeah. certain things were changed i don't you know i remember that process i just remember it was laborious like i worked on that shit for like i I worked on that painting for like a month and you know like when i say work on it i'd work on it for several hours you know you know three or four times a week i mean i worked on that album pretty diligently because i kind of felt like after thug stories and even strength and loyalty like i've I've never been really happy with the outcome of strength and loyalty there's some things about it i like there's some things about it there's a lot of things about it i don't particularly like and I felt like it was kind of my chance to give the Bone fans something that they would uh, that they would appreciate and value that would mean something to them, especially since they look for all the hidden stuff, you know. Right. So, like I said, I was just kind of disappointed by the, re- the negative response. You know, I didn't really understand the negative response. And then I, you know, at that point, I was kind of like, well, you know, this is a closed chapter, you know, in right. my career. Like, like Bone had a lot to do. You know, again, Lazy Bone. You know, and I actually, I actually was with Lazy Bone back here in uh, September or might have been August. It was either August September they came through here, and uh, my homeboy Capo, who also manages me, he manages all my independent accounts. He runs a Concrete Magazine. I um, mean, him go way back in the day. He's like my brother. He was working the Bone event. He does a lot of promo for the events, and he had called me and said Lazy Bone was asking about me or whatever. So, you know, I went up there and I hung out with him for about 15 minutes after they show. And, you know, that was my first time i have seen Lazy Bone since um, the Unified stuff. I think I saw them in 2010, I think, briefly. I went and hung out with Lazy Bone one night, but I hadn't seen him since then. So, Capo the called me. He said, Lazy asking about you. So, I went down there and um, just hung out with dude, and um, I got to tell him, you know, like, Doug, like, he changed my life. When I met Lazy, I was living in the projects and didn't have no furniture, didn't have a car, and just trying to figure out how to feed my daughter and trying to figure out how to survive. And, you know, now I I bought my first house um, this Uh, year, you know, but it's all because You know, to tie it all in, as far as Lazy's concerned, because of the Strength and Loyalty project, because Lazy gave me that shot, Josh Fisher was the uh, marketing director of that project, and I talked to him every day on the phone for like eight months while we worked on Strength and Loyalty. And during that eight months, we became friends because we talked every day. And when he left Interscope, he took me with him, and he's been my lifeline. You know, he's been the guy that gave me the Dr. Dre jobs and the Rihanna jobs and the Scarface jobs. He's the guy that goes and works all these deals. And because of him, because of Josh, who is like a brother to me now um, and a business partner, because of his work, I've been able to feed my family and provide a life that I didn't think was possible for me. Like that I didn't think think I had access to.
1: That's and amazing. So I had to
0: tell Lazy that face-to-face. I had to tell him face-to-face. You know, I had to sit down with him and be like, look, bro, you have no idea. Like, you gave me shoes, and I ran with them motherfuckers. You gave me a pair of shoes, I laced them, and I ran. And, you know, I'm not on food stamps. I'm not in the projects. I'm not fucked up. My kids have clean shoes to wear, and they go to night schools. And, like, I have a life because of that dude.
1: And I wanted him to know that in person, you know? I, th- I think that's a huge part for listeners to hear because it's it's something that we talk about all the time here. You know, the, the influence over 25 years that these five guys have had on, on so many people. They've literally done what you're talking about uh, for so many people. Some people were able to yeah. take it and continue to run with it. Uh, some, some people, you know, kind of uh, dropped it. Uh, along the way, but they gave so many people that opportunity, uh, like that you're talking about. Um, so it's amazing, you know, just, just so many people connected to this 25 year legacy. Uh, Cairo, before we get ready to wrap up with you, I did just have a couple of just, um, you know, just random questions I, I did want to ask you, uh, because people people want to know things, Then and it's so crazy the bone fans, just like some of the little things that they want to know. Um One of the things that's always kind of been out there and, and it relates to, to chasing the devil. There was a, uh, there was a cover. And, and I don't know if this was your work or not. Um But it, it looked like the original cover before yours came out and it was, it was like crazy bone at a, a table. It almost looked like uh, East yep. 1999 when he was drinking Hennessy is, is that yours? Is that you as well? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah that was never finished. That was just a comp. Like it was, uh, that was in 2007, 2008. I think that was, uh, when I was talking to crazy on the phone about chasing devil, the devil, first time, right after strength of loyalty. Um, he, had, uh, we were talking he was working with a photographer. I don't remember. I think the guy's name, I think it was dark night photography, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was doing the pictures and you know crazy had this idea we did a whole we did like a whole layout we did like a six panel layout the tray card based on these ideas that he was telling me and the pictures that the dark night photographer was sending me and no but but that cover that leaked like was not a finished cover it was just a concept art it was like based on our conversations and i don't know how it leaked i don't know how it got out i don't know who leaked it but you know it leaked and then, i mean but it was never a finished piece of art it was just a concept and there was like 3 or 4 of them i think the
1: the crazy oh. thing about that cover is and this is this is probably going to to blow your mind here because you put so much work into what became the actual cover but fans fucking love that cover that uh they yeah. they love that that cover of, of him with that, that Hennessy. And, you know, uh, anytime I see it, I always think of the East 1999 video. I feel like, like it's inside that same building almost like that's, that's the feeling I get. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, fans love that video or, uh, excuse me, that, that, that cover rather, but I just think it's that they don't understand it. T- it took me till today, you know, researching and understanding how good the chase and the devil cover You know just really is um i know fans were kind of disappointed that it was just like a single panel digipack did did you design more panels than that and they cut it down or or did you know like you know from the beginning it was going to be just a a couple small pieces of art
0: no that was that was what they sent
1: me the template
0: the budget that they had you know that they had to spend on you know printing and manufacturing like that was what they sent me was a was just the digipack but in that yeah. digi pack, I would say I spent more time and energy, even the picture Crazy Bonus on the inside um, was, you know, I took one of his photos, and I, you know, I basically illustrated on top of the photo. And, I mean, like, that package, I spent more time on that than I did on the uh, packaging for Strength and Loyalty. Like, I spent a lot of time detailing and work, even the tray card, like, when you pick up the disc, Stuff that's underneath the disc. There's a, if I remember right, there's some kind of crazy illustrations, some, like, gothic-looking stuff. I don't remember, but it's been a while. I mean, I did the same thing for Unify. Like, you know, I was supposed to do the Unify cover. Originally, it was just the world's enemy. And um, a lot of the, the, several of the comps I did for Unify came out um, online. There was the one with the fist holding the heart. There was the uh, one with the comets hitting the earth, like the five comets hitting the earth. Yeah, Um, that's you, really, no shit. Yeah, those were all comps, too. None of those were like finished pieces of art. They were just ideas um, for the Unified project. But when we got down to actually do the project, they didn't have any pictures. I was talking to Bobby Francis at the time. Bobby was like, yo, we just need to cover and I was like, well, where's the photo shoot? And he's like, they got a photo shoot, but we don't have it yet. We just need a cover. And then they couldn't, you know, there was he couldn't tell me what the budget was. He couldn't give me any details. The whole thing was just a big kind of a nightmare. And, you know, I eventually just told him, never mind. You know, and I think they, they ended up going with Julian Alexander, who ended up doing the Unified cover. And Julian Alexander, Julian Alexander, um, Slang Inc., they're the ones who did all the G-Unit covers uh julian alexander you know he's an incredible artist but you know i just think with the unified he didn't really have nothing to work with you know um like you know yeah the I'm, not, the gay, uh, I, you know, I'm not you know julian alexander is a fan phenomenal fan. artist man um but by that time like when when the unified came around man in fact the the the, the drawing it, you know, the fans, like, online, the skeletons on East 99, like, that was my original concept for the uh, for the Unified project. Yeah. And,
1: um, that I was, was going to ask you that. My,
0: yeah, that was originally done for the Unified project. But I don't, we never got to that point. You know, like I said, I did the comps, like, the one with the hand holding the heart. I mean it looks cheesy but it was just like an idea it wasn't gonna you know that was my hand holding the heart you know it was just like (laughs) an idea of like different like because even with that project i I talked to lazy about it and originally it was supposed to be like a clear cover like a like a clear vellum cover like a and the heart the hand holding the heart would be that and you see the background with all this destruction and chaos and then like when you turn the clear page, you would see that same picture, but it would be a skeleton hand holding the heart.
3: It's just an oh, idea shit. I had.
0: Um, and the same with, like, the, the little – it looks like comets hitting the earth. Um, it's the best way to describe it, you know, the world's enemy. I think the world was on fire, and there was, like, a skull
1: or something. I don't remember. It's been too long. Yeah. But yeah, no, was, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Did, did you now – you, me, and you in private were talking, and you had mentioned something like, um, like you redid the the logo at that time, or or something like that. Does does that make sense? I can't the really logo, remember yeah. what we were talking about. Yeah. What
0: was the strength strength and loyalty like? So if you notice, like bone the bone logo now, Bone Thugs and Harmony logo, it's got these. It's a little bit more symmetrical and cleaner and it's got like these hooks and you know curves and extensions on it you know that the yeah. one they're using now and I, I did that i redid their logo for them um they didn't have a copy of their original logo they didn't have like a eps file of it it was you know just a crappy low resolution jpeg is the only thing they had of their logo and originally <laughs> interscope wanted to do a whole new logo for bone like they wanted to do an entirely different look for them oh, and no. i think i did like man i want to say like 10 or 15 different comps on a new logo for bone and you know just for the record i was against this side of the- I did to begin with. I remember arguing with Interscope about it, and they they wanted to give Bone a whole new look. They wanted to give them a brand new logo um, from scratch. It didn't even resemble the first one. And I did like ten or fifteen comps. Um, they weren't really nothing impressive, and I I was adamant against it. I was like, you know, this is what y'all want to do, but I really think, you know, we should stick with the original Bone logo. Like that's their that's iconic.
1: Oh, yeah. bone like fans would have hated that.
0: Forth. Well, there was this push back and forth, and I, on my own, went and took their logo, um, and I created an, a vector version of it, and then I cleaned it up. I, I straightened everything up because, like, a lot of the letters were kind of wobbly and, and uneven. Um, the lines weren't really clean. So I took their original logo, and I cleaned it up and made it all really symmetrical and clean and then i added you know the extra hooks and the extra you know stuff on the logo and you know then i just sent it to interscope and they're like okay this is cool we're gonna run with this and i was
1: like bet i i love the uh just you know i would say the evolution of of that logo um you know that that logo was was made way back in 94 and it's gone through so much evolution i mean even though you you know we don't really think of it like that like it's just you know some some beckett letters or whatever it is it's like it's really gone through a lot i mean i remember when it was 3d and then you know like you said you you changed mm-hmm. it and you kind of gave it the, the pointy barbs so i i do love the evolution of that logo changing it would have been such a mistake it, it is iconic yeah. as you had stated Yeah synonymous uh you you had mentioned that bone drawing and you sent me actually when you sent me the contact sheet you'd sent me a sketch as well and i, and I saw that unified was at the yeah. the top so i'd always assume that it was for unified uh but in your interview with with the goat for bt h board you had said something about it being a poster for for ruthless records they were they were supposed to have some kind of booth at the rock the bells concert was it something like that well, yeah, the sketch,
0: the original sketch that I sent you was the original sketch that I did um, yeah. back during the Unified era. And I never illustrated it, you know, for real. It was just an idea, but I never actually finished the art. It was just in sketch form. Um, And then, you know, I kind of pulled out of doing the Unified project and it just sat in my sketchbook for a couple, several years. And then back when they did the uh, the East 99 reunion tour with Rock the Bells, and they were supposed to do the whole East 99 tour, um, I think ruthless, ruthless. I want to say it was ruthless. Reached out. I have talked to my manager because, like I said, he's the one that does all the business communication. I just do the artwork when he brings it to me. Um. I think either Ruthless reached out, I don't remember what happened. Somehow he called me and said, Hey, you know, bones on these nine nine tour and they want us to do some merch for for the Rock the Bells event and then they're gonna go on an actual tour and they want us to do the merchandise. And I was like, yeah. Oh, perfect. Like this is the perfect platform to do this sketch. I went and found it in one of my old sketchbooks and that's why I uh, went and finished it. The, the the piece of art that's floating around online, the original one that I did was for the Rock the Bells concert and the East 99 tour. There ended up being... I mean, we did a bunch of shit for that, too. We did some T-shirts. Um, we did some posters. There ended up being this big beef between, like, the different Bone members had different merch booths, and, like, Crazy had his own merch, and Lazy had his own merch, and... And I guess Tamika was just like she's not going to get into it with them, and they just canceled the whole thing and let
1: Bone handle their own merch. And that's that's too bad because that that is like that that is the opportunity I guess that you've been waiting for is you know somebody to say hey we we don't want you to do anything new we just want you to make Eternal make Eternal style shit uh, that that seemed like that was about to be the the niche you know so to speak. Well, we you. had. A-
0: well yeah, and we had I mean, I'd planned out these T shirts. I mean, we had like these T shirts based around their song, like we had a Mo Murder T shirt, we had a No Surrender. I had a No Surrender T shirt and um the file's gone. I can't find it anymore. Um, I don't know what happened to it, but I had a no surrender T shirt and it had like a skeleton with that braids and it had an A K forty seven and it said no surrender oh, on it for t- yeah, it was cool, man. Like, it was some cool shit that we did. But, you know, Roofless, you know, canceled the whole thing because they couldn't, you know, figure it out with Bone. So they're like, never mind. Originally, they wanted me to come out there to California and go through, uh, I guess they have, like, uh, some storage units full of old Bone pictures and stuff that no one's ever seen. And originally, like, when we did the first conference call with Roofless, Tamika was talking about, you know, having me come out and go through the storage unit and just find these old photographs and old shit that we could revive and, you know, to put on the thing. And I was excited about that. I was like, this is a hell of an opportunity. But that never happened. Like I said, we got to call back to, the, you know, there was a big contention between the group about whose merch was going to be where and what and splits on profits and all this, you know, shit. And they just canceled the thing uh and then you know they you know i just disheartened out of line i think i gave it to the bone board because i was like yeah i think y'all appreciate this so i gave. i actually put the high res 24 by 36 300 dpi resolution poster i think i just gave it to the bone board like since y'all will never be able to buy this you can just have it and print it yourself um and then i ended up finding out that bone was selling it on tour um like little eight by 10 like paper prints like computer copy paper prints of it for like 20 bucks and you know i mean i'm like well what the hell like wow if you i mean it doesn't cost much money to get 24 by 36 posters like who the hell wants to buy an eight by ten on xerox paper like why you <laughs> yeah. not actually sell if you're going to if you're going to just take it and sell it and like you know my issue with that is i don't think that anybody including lazy bone knew that that was my artwork i think it's just some shit they found online and they just printed it and ran with it you know like uh lazy never knew me as cairo like that wasn't like back when i was with lazy a lot um he never knew me as Cairo, so like that was like right after you know I first started doing the Cairo stuff, and I don't think he even knew that that was my work. Maybe he did, maybe did. I don't think so, but you know,
1: you know, it is what it is. <laughs>
0: you know what I'm saying? It's just like yeah. one of those things.
1: That... I I think it's you know it's it's almost um, sweet victory for you, I'd say, because you know I, I know that for you that. The bitter feelings from the fans about chasing the devil and and the way that it you know it looked uh, it kind of, it kind of left a, a bad taste for you. But at the same time, that drawing, I I would say hands down, and I think John would agree with me. It it's it's the most iconic drawing of Bone ever. I mean, I think every fan listening would say that's the the best drawing. Wow um it, it 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 makes us feel like eternal i mean when i when i see that uh and and just knowing that that could have possibly been the unified cover uh i tell john all the time i'm like unified should have not only looked like and felt like eternal but it it should have sounded like it too i was really disappointed when uh and and i know they were trying to get away from the the scary ouija stuff but i was like hey this album should have started with like the the real slow voice that they used on the first three albums, the the e Ouija voice. Uh, so I always felt like Unified should have felt like Eternal. And, uh, you know, Bone fans love that picture. I mean, if you don't know that, man, that that picture is like, I mean, what do you think, John? That's That's got to be the, the greatest Bone picture ever.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Hands down.
0: Yeah. Well, man, I mean, that's an honor to hear y'all say that. You know, I'm glad that, you know, people... For me, that's the bone I always wanted to see. Like as a young person growing up, I remember the some of the early East ninety nine artwork had some skeleton airbrush style illustrations. I think for the first of the month cover or something like that that I was that I really liked as a young person. Um, I was glad, you know, I'm glad that, it, that it's got you know a response and has some life into it, man. Um, you know, creatively, musically. There's so much like when you're on the inside of the game and you're around artists, you realize how much artists one, how they're not always directly involved in their sound. And then two is how, you know, people as artists wanna grow and experiment and change. You know what I mean? And like initially, like Art of War was like the last bone album I was really into. Um I didn't personally, Resurrection, I didn't really care for that album. I think Righteous Ones is, like, my favorite song on there. Um, the Thug World album, Thug World Order, I didn't really like that album. I think there was, like, two or three songs on there that I liked. You know, after Art of War, I kind of, like, wasn't really into their music as much anymore, and I never understood why. And on the other side of that fence, you know, one is people grow up, they grow apart, they get interested in different things and they're around different people and so they have a different source of influence they have different musicians and producers that they're working with and you know they kind of grow in different directions and in that sense you know as an artist you want to be able to have the freedom to create the things that you want to create and you know it's uh i always wanted to hear them you know when i art of war musically you know, speaking from an art, from an artist perspective, someone like I grew up in music. My parents, my my father's a musician. I have a high regard for art. And Art of War musically was a masterpiece. You know, East ninety nine, you would say, is a better album. It had better songs. It was a bigger album. Um, but Art of War musically was a phenomenal piece of work. And I, I expected them. To- <laughs> yeah Uh, I expected them to grow you know musically in a different direction I expected you know I uh, had anticipated something else and so when they came out with Resurrection I was kind of confused because it didn't sound like Bone to me like the things that I had really um, admired about Bone and their music musically speaking I felt like you know they got away from you know the things that I was personally interested in and I felt like Unified was a chance to like kind of dive back into that world and you know they didn't go there musically and that's not to say that you know uh it's not good it's just not for me right like i said as all this grow they need room to breathe and express themselves and find the things they're interested in and, and create the things they want to create after hearing the unified album um i was I was like, well, the ideas I have for the cover didn't make any sense for the project anyway. Right.
1: Yeah, they they've had you know, a, a they crazy sense. They, they the the change has been I'm not gonna say that they're uh that they're pop or, or anything like that, but it's definitely not like, you know, the the thuggish ruggish that uh that that we became used to. Um art of war to me, and, and I love to hear somebody else say it, like art of war is just like the, the the Holy Grail, and you know, Eternal is the, the most revered Bone album, but Art of War has always just meant so much to me. I think musically, it's just like them on what they were destined to become, and like you said, it, it never went there, because it was a growth album from Eternal to Art of War, and I, I really thought, I was like, wow, this is what we're going to hear uh for quite some time we we kind of consider the art of war resurrection as like the cutoff point of the golden era so it sounds like you know we're on the on the same page with each other as far as that
0: well you know i mean like i said people people get money they're not in the same place anymore they're hanging out with different people i think you know from the time i spent with lazy you know what i mean when they were young they um they live together and they live, you know, they lived in the same mindset. And, you know, as you get money and you get opportunities, people develop different interests and make new relationships. And you kind of start to go in different directions. And then that, once that happens, it happens to everybody. I mean, it happens to the Beatles. You know what I mean? It happens to everybody. You know, like once you start getting exposure to different things and you're growing up, your interests kind of start developing in different directions. It's really hard to come back to the table as one singular thing. And, produce something that has that kind of you know consistency about it and also they're in different places like like bone like you know when they were young like they were real street kids like they were like genuine real street kids you know they weren't um studio magic they were like real street kids and i think you know those guys are all in their 40s now you know i mean they're yeah. men families like they're not on the block you know robbing people and and you know, getting passed out drunk every day. You know what I mean? They are grown men with kids. Like they're not trying to fight and tussle with people and, you know, you know I mean they're not in the same mindset either. So it's like you're not gonna get the same um thing. It's just growth and development and, you know the
1: you know, different things for different people. Yeah, I I gotta ask, because we've talked the music so much, um what do you, what's your what's your favorite bone song uh of all time? Do you have a favorite? It sounds like Art of War is the favorite album. Do you do you got a favorite uh song? Nah, I
0: mean I I mean being a fan of music in general, you know, um I would say um I don't have a favorite bone song. I think Ease ninety nine would be my favorite album. I think Art of War is musically unparalleled if that makes if that makes any sense i think that the production level art of war is next level i think east 99 had more chemistry and magic in it um i think by the time you got to art of war like you know they kind of started to separate and go in different directions and you can hear it in their in their content in what they're doing do you get content
2: you get like a final product after you You've worked on some of these projects. Like did, did somebody send you a final project of Chasing the Devil when it was all said and done? As like part of the like a comp package? Or did you have to like purchase it on your own?
0: Uh Chasing the Devil. Um I think I bought that one. When I did Strength and Loyalty, Interscope sent me a box of I think twenty copies of it when it was finished. Oh wow. Um it just depends on the project. Like, when I did Scarface, they sent me, I think, 10 copies. It depends on the project and who's putting it out. and You know, the artists themselves don't usually deal with that. The label will do it. So it just depends on what the label wants to do. Um, Chasing the Devil, I think, uh, I, if I don't remember them sending me a copy of Chasing the Devil, I think I'll actually bought that one. Um, speaking of music, like, the same song, the, on Strength and Low, That Same Song, that wasn't going to be on the album. And I actually, like, fought for that to be on the record, which is weird being that I was just an art director. But I was we were doing the uh, the video shoot for uh, I Tried, and we were all sitting in DJ Ice's truck, and they were just playing songs. And I remember Ice played the same song. And I was like, yo, this is hard. And they were like, yeah, it's not going to be on the album. And I was like, why? I remember listening to some of the songs there uh with steve and tubby and crazy up in the hotel room on um the strength of loyalty project and i remember being really confused because i remember thinking that none of these songs sound like bone i remember like being adamant like this isn't on brand for them like musically it didn't make a lot of sense and they weren't really happy about that i remember steve was like really kind of put out because i thought he thought i was just a bone fan i mean i was a fan of bone but i'm a fan of art and you know i'm a very definitive taste in everything that i do um and i have musical sense because i was raised in music you know my father's a musician so you know i've worked in music all my life so i have musical sense and uh they were playing me a bunch of songs up there at the hotel room and i just remember saying you know like this isn't bone like you that you can't put that on i don't remember what they were they played me a bunch of stuff but you know it was a. Uh, but i was like you got to put same song on there
1: and um i remember that yeah that's good that's crazy it's always like i love to hear those stories about the little bit of influence that that changed the album because that could very well be what you know actually made that album uh or that song end up on that album um and and you know fans fans like that song um with with all the trials and tribulations because you've had just such a, a you know an up and down with with bone and you know you've you've done a lot with them and and like you said uh working with bone and and the strength and loyalty project literally changed your life uh, but it sounded like you know, almost like um, chasing the devil might have kind of just been the the end of it. Is if if the opportunity came up, uh, is is there a future to see more Bone Thug, Cairo Wolf artwork? Um, oh, I mean, shit, anything's possible. Like I
0: love I love Lazy with my heart, man. Like that dude, I have the utmost respect for him as not just a a musician, but as a human being. Like Lazy's a very genuine humble person i mean the first time i hung out with him man like he sat on the floor and shared a beer with me you know he didn't even care about sitting in the chair he's not hollywood at all very humble and he's just a good human being and i have the utmost love and respect for him as a person um the other guys in the group i don't know that well i've met busy and flesh but i've never like really hung out with them i've uh Spent some time around, you know, Wish and Crazy, you know. Um, both of them have always been kind of standoffish, which, you know, is fine. You know, some personalities don't work, and they deal with a lot of shit, and they're around a lot of people. So, you know, I just out of respect and reverence for Lazy as a human being and the part he's played in my role, like, I'll do anything he called me to ask me to do. If he ever, you know, you know I told him when he was here back in August when I was talking to him, like, bro, if you ever need anything, no, I'm front line and
1: center, you know, um, for whatever he's doing, just out of love and respect for him. Yeah, that's great. I I think, uh, you know, especially what you do now, um, your your artwork is, is so on point. And, and and Lazy's actually bringing back a lot of old projects. He's been re-releasing a lot of old projects. And I think a he's kind of know. trying to dip into, you know, the... The bone of the past because he knows that's what uh, fans want. So hopefully we we see Lazy uh, reach out to you because I, I would love to see you know especially what what you're doing right now. I mean your artwork. I, I follow your IG so closely and I love by the way that you put up a photo, but then you'll also put up like you know two kind of zoom ins of it to really show yeah. just the because you don't you don't realize you know when you're when you pull away and you look at We'll just say chasing the devil uh, and you just look at it you don't realize how amazing it is when when you get up close um, so I, I think it would be real interesting to see what you would do you know with just some bone or, or mo thug in in 2019 uh, before we let you go I, I want to make sure you know everybody can find you you can you just drop for the fans what what your social media is Instagram and and how they can find you yeah, my Instagram is Cairo Wolf.
0: It's K Y R O W O L F, and my Twitter is the same thing. Um, and then you know, there's the Cairowing.com, which you know, here in the next spring, we're going to be launching the you know the new site. Haven't been updated in a long time, um, but we're to launch the new site here in the springtime, probably
1: and you And know. if somebody was interested in getting you know like uh, getting artwork from you, can can they reach out to you on the Instagram or on that website? Yeah, the contacts are on their Instagram. I don't
0: usually deal with clients myself just because I have so much going on on this side of the fence. You know, I have my management, which is Josh Fisher and Capo. Both of their contacts are on my Instagram, but they're the ones who you know book all my clients and you know pick up all the work. Um, that's the best way to deal with me. If you if you, if people are waiting to talk to me directly, it's not that I'm Hollywood or that I'm too important. It's just literally too much for me to deal with. Um, just as like I have hundreds of DMs and people just want free artwork and shit, so I don't even read my DMs. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? I don't read. I don't even look at my DMs. <laughs> and again, it's not to imply that I'm important because I'm like literally nobody in the world. But um, it's just personal. You know, it's like I can't shift through all the crap and deal with it all so it's easier for me to just say you know let fish deal with it he's going to get back to you let capo deal with it he's going to get back to you and that just makes more sense
1: yeah it it definitely makes sense outside of this podcast i actually uh i i manage some artists myself and and as a manager and anytime one of them kind of jumps off the path and handles stuff i, I sit back like isn't that kind of my job, man? Like, are you sure you did that shit right? Like, I, I don't want to act like I know what's better for you than you, but this is what I'm here for, bro. So it's always good plan to let the, the managers take care of the management, let the artists be an artist, uh, Cairo, I've had a great time talking to you. I, I know anytime John is just speechless, I know he's just like wrapped up in the, uh, in the conversation. So before I drop off with you, John, did, did you have anything else for, for Cairo? I know I've kind of just been running house over here.
2: Oh, no, man. I just been enjoying the whole conversation. Sorry. I didn't contribute more to it, but I just want to let Cairo speak his mind because it was just great stories after stories. And, I I was just envisioning everything you were talking about. So great storyteller. Uh, I was captivated. So speechless.
0: Thanks for being part of Beyond the Harmony. Well, no, I appreciate y'all having me, man. If y'all ever need anything, please
1: feel free to reach out. Oh, yeah. A million percent. And and, uh, you know, our fans have really, you know, um, if you guys haven't put the connection together, Cairo is, is who sent me. I did a video on all the contact sheets. Uh, the fans have loved that. They've loved all the background photos that you've sent. So so you've been a huge con- uh, contributor to, to helping us, you know, do Beyond the Harmony. Uh, and I'm excited for for people to hear this interview. Is there anything else that's, that you want to leave the the Beyond the Harmony fans or the Bone Thugs fans before we let you go? Man, nah.
0: Uh, man, I, I just appreciate the platform and y'all interest in what I do. You know, it's not very often that this side of the fence gets any, you know, real interest. Um, so I just appreciate the platform, man, and um I wish y'all the utmost
1: in everything that you do. I wish y'all well. Ah oh, hell yeah, Cairo Likewise. bro. I, I wanna, I wanna thank you again for for being our guest here, and uh, you know I, I truly just appreciate everything that that you've done for us. And I'm gonna be in touch with you real soon because I, I feel like I feel like John that we need to get Cairo to do some sort of beyond the harmony artwork because he understands Absolutely. what you and I want it to look like.
0: Yeah, sure. You contact
1: his John. manager. <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, I'll, I'll, I'll. Nah, nah, man. I would be totally
1: honest with, with y'all, man. Just please, just let me know, man. Let's get on one and talk about it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm with it again, Cairo. Thank you so much, brother. It's been a it's been a great great interview. I uh, I thank you and and I hope you have a great rest of your night, man. Man, you
0: too, guys. man y'all be blessed and uh, happy holidays.
1: You as well, brother. Take care. Happy holidays.
0: Alright, man. Please.
1: John, that was <laughs> woo.
2: I love it. Man. Yeah, man, another good one.
1: <laughs> that was
2: great. Was I, great. I... And yes, and to everybody listening, if you if you ever hear John not talking, it's just because I'm I'm just sitting here and I didn't want I did not want to kill the vibe. It was a, a wonderful chemistry. And I was like, let me just play my part and, and just listen in because this is this was this was excellent. Some of the stories that he had were just perfect
1: perfect stories. Oh, man. Um, so much more than I thought, you know, going into it, uh, you know, we always talk about that, like what, what's this going to be like, you know, how, how much are we going to be able to get, you know, from somebody that, that, you know, made artwork. Cause you, you just don't know how significant or not significant, uh, that contribution may have been. Um, man, the, the, the guy had a ton and yeah, I, I, I always feel I always feel like the the listeners are like, shut the fuck up, Cecil, and let John get it in here. Just so you know, me and John have a chat up the whole time we do this. And anytime John wants to to shut me up, he he, he sends me a message and says, Yo, I'm gonna jump in. And I always know when when John is just riding the wave because the chat is empty. Uh and, and John is just there listening. And and this was one of those ones where it's like i just wanted to listen to bro like if if it wasn't for the fact that i gotta keep it flowing um i was like man cairo is just like he's 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 cool to listen to he's got great stories um the the artists i always love the artists man they they just have a, a different insight and and they all kind of align i don't know if you noticed but like uh Aaron Purnell, a lot of the things that Aaron Purnell said, you know, can really mirror, you know, what we heard Cairo say about, you know, he he talked about how he uh, wanted that art of war feeling back and everything, and that's why he did the artwork that he initially did. So it's real interesting to hear all these artists talk and and how they're all linked. Donald Cunningham and Julio Costanzo had such a big influence on Kyra Wolf. Cairo Wolf having influences on, you know, just the the artists that are are working with Bone today. Um, it's 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 amazing to me, you know. Cody Cody Hillier is inspired by Kyra Wolf, who's inspired by Julio, and and all these guys are Bone artists, and all those guys have jobs. Because they were yeah. inspired by bone, and they fucking ran with it,
2: yeah, and that's that's another part of the show is like a lot of these people we interview, especially with Cairo, how he ran with the opportunity, you know, uh, you hear it when you're young, you're like, hey, when opportunity strikes, you gotta run with it. Some people do, some people don't. And half the time when I was not talking, I was just sitting listening to a story just thinking about like, man, you know, going from no furniture and, and then to having buying his own house and just having a life to provide for his family. um, Just, just seizing opportunities and then going with it and staying humble too. I really loved his psychoanalysis of himself, like his internal analysis where he, he could admit, he's like, you know, I did, I didn't do everything right. You know, I learned along the way and that's how you right. learn is you make mistakes. And, and so long as you improve upon them and learn from them, um, and it, that's another thing, like as he was telling the stories about like the, the 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 trials and some of the things that he did wrong, I was kind of going through my life and realizing the moments where I did the same kind of things that he did, where I'm not catching social cues. Um, I was the same way where I had so much ideas and, you know, having some of these platforms like Beyond the Harmony and and my other channels, those have helped me evolve to get all the stuff that's pent up in me out of me. And now I'm a much more sociable kind of person to be around because I, I just imagine he must've had so much art in him just as I had a, a whole bunch of like philosophies and ideas in me that just needed to get out and it was just all in. And when you have that need for release, sometimes <laughs> you might become uh, a, not a distraction, but a nuisance. And uh, so so I, I appreciate most people won't say the, the, the times that they did wrong or times that they didn't uh, like, like he gave all sides of the stories, the successes as well as the learning experiences, and and teaching people learning experiences, uh, you get to learn from their mistakes so that you may not repeat those same mistakes if you take heed yeah. to the lessons. So that was a yeah. really good part um, for me. Like that's that's the part that I got most out of it was just hearing the lessons, and and also getting an idea on some of like the art end of the deal, and you know the things that. They go into and the processes he mentioned the processes a lot of time uh, throughout mm-hmm. this, and I realized I was like, wow, yeah, from the art perspective, it is about a process. And so and actually you and I have processes to make this show happen. And um, so he he just provided a lot of wisdom. and those are the kind of interviews I want the most is to gain something that like tomorrow I'm a different person because of what we just did tonight. I was reflecting the whole time and those lessons that I just learned will carry with me the rest of my life. And I hope the listeners got something out of it just like I
1: did tonight to move forward with your lives. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the interview. Um, I really enjoyed the interview that, uh, you know, John, the the, the goat uh, from BT and H board did with him the, the, the text one. Uh, we talked about it. Unfortunately, a lot of things text wise just get, it's skipped over which is too bad because um john's interview actually you know is is like parallel of what you did ju- you know you just saw the movie and john's is like the book and and john's did detail some things um you know i i felt really well uh, especially like the early part of uh his, his life so you know i you guys definitely want to still check out the text interview that that john the goat basil did uh, on BTNH board with Cairo. But at the same time, I, I feel great that we did this today because we got to expand on a lot of that interview. And it, it really just cemented the Cairo Wolf uh, legacy in, in the bone world. And it deserved to be there. Um, it, it was very intriguing. And, you know, he, I felt good. How good did you feel uh, when when we were talking? Because it felt like he just didn't feel like he had any home runs. You know, it felt like he felt good about the three albums he did, but he didn't feel like he had a, the home run that he wanted. And and I think he thought Chasing the Devil was and then like the fans kind of shit on it. Uh so so he he was feeling bad that he didn't have that home run. And when I was able to drop on him like, "Bro, that that drawing that you did is it is the fucking icon." I I challenged somebody to find a more iconic drawing of bone thugs and harmony that, that the fans love than that one. And, and I, I, I felt so good like letting him know, like, bro, you, you have the, the mega home run because you have the fans home run with that, with that fucking drawing.
2: Yeah, no, that, that drawing is the grand slam. Mm -hmm. And what's funny too is, (laughs) is when you heard him describe what he was putting into chasing the devil in the back of my mind, I was like, no no you actually already did that with that drawing that drawing i think any fan from the beginning that sees that is like yeah this 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 is this is what we're talking about this 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 right here is what we're talking about right here i know the first time i saw it i was like where's this been the whole time it felt like that had always existed because it always should have existed and i don't know why he's not fond of strength and loyalty i you know, I did, did I name that as my one of my favorite covers? I, I had said Art of War, I but I was good. like, you know, I really like that strength and loyalty. Yeah, and, I and, love uh, strength the and complete, loyalty. And, and, and I even like what it represents.
1: The complete package for strength Sorry. and loyalty, not just the cover, the complete artwork package right. for strength and loyalty is many, many panels. Yeah. And, and I just thought it's – as somebody that's had to make – I've made a lot of artwork, okay, y'all. I've made a lot of CD artwork. And the more panels you have, the more shit you have to make up and with that many panels, you start to go, what the fuck am I putting on this? And I just thought it was yeah. great how he told about how they were like no 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 look they charge us for every picture which is true when a photographer comes and you pay him and he takes nine, thousand photos that that doesn't mean you just paid for a nine thousand photo photo shoot. You paid for a bunch of contact sheets and then you pay him per photo licensing. Um, or the you know them in this case it was him licensing uh, for each photo that you're going to use so it was great to hear that story and kind of like the just the, I guess the restraint that it put him under and the changes that he 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 had to make with the um you know with them like kind of looking down and stuff I I just I loved it all man and I, I loved strength and loyalty I thought Kyro Wolf's story was great and <clears throat> he I. Bro, the, the, I wasn't what he fucking
2: was able to make, what, what, Yeah, what he was able to do with thug stories as well, like, you know, saying that he, he didn't have any pictures and uh, j- just the fact that he was able to pull something off for it, that's that was cool. And I, I think all of his art was great. Not only that, I was looking at his website um, before. You know, I probably should have mentioned it when we had him on. But I don't know if you saw that, that Mount Cushmore that he made. Oh, where yeah. Where he's got, like, the four the four best blazers. I, I don't know if it was called Mount Cushmore, but you know, it had red man. I think, I think it was Beth, the man and, and uh, be real. And I can't remember who the fourth guy was off the top of my head, but it, you know, it had Snoop, four of the like, best blazer. Oh, it was Snoop, Snoop dog. Snoop Dogg. How can I not even say Snoop first, <laughs> but it had them four on it. And I was like, man, that's I've, it, that, that picture too was kind of like, how did this not always exist? Cause when you see mm. it, you're like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that should have always existed. So really cool guy um, learned a lot and I'm happy we did it. I, and, and it's, it's, you know, another thing too, kind of, you, you were giving a shout out to, to John the goat and I want to give him a shout out too. It's kind of like, I, I don't know how he feels, but I have like this, like we have like a silent admiration for what he's done. Um, you know, with that bracket that he put together, uh, the interview that he did with Cairo was spectacular and if as Cecil said, if you haven't read that interview with Cairo and John the Goat, um, check that out. It was really well done. It's like one of those gems of the board that it's there. You might have missed it over the years. And I think you sent it to me when we were initially supposed to do the interview with Cairo on season one. And I read yeah. it again today before the show. And uh, it, it's it's a good interview. It's, yeah. it's nice to... It's like he was beyond the harmony before we were beyond the harmony. So... Props to John the Goat for all that he's done with the BTNH yeah,
1: board. He, he, did, he does a great job, and, and you know, it was an out-of-the-box interview. And and without that, I mean, that interview helped fuel a lot of this. So I I do hope you guys check that out. I hope you guys check out Kyra Wolf. Um, You know, uh, we're going to make sure that all his social media – all his social media actually should be in front of you right now. You guys should be able to see that on the screen. Um. But you can also check out his website. It's Cairo Inc. That's K-Y-R-O-I-N-K, Cairo Inc. com. And he said he's going to be doing a, a major overhaul. And yeah, wasn't fucking around, John. I guess we're going to have to have Cairo Wolf do us some sort of beyond the harmony artwork. Uh I, I think it would be really cool if we had our own mini poster like that one. And uh, you know, maybe that's something that we that we give out so we're gonna have to talk to cairo uh it's it's been it feels good to be back on thug thursday johnny oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah not only
2: that the full version of our intro will play you know what at this point has played going into this show and you know we usually use on the questions of the day like the shortened version but the the full Thug Thursday Aaron Purnell special uh, played again. That the the flag was risen. It's on the staff. It's waving. The flag still stands. Beyond the Harmony is back season two.
1: Yeah, I love it. Feels good to be back. I am excited about what we have coming. We have a lot, a lot of just different things this year. Um, We got a lot of things coming New segments Maybe some new hosts Maybe some new shows mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you don't just have Thug Thursday Maybe it's a network Maybe I'm saying too much It's been a long Thug Thursday So I'm not going to say much more But we have an exciting Season 2 on our hands This Was a great first episode John, is it a wrap? I think
2: it's a wrap. There's plenty more to talk about, but we'll leave it for the next
1: one. That's a wrap, y'all. I am Cecil West. That is John John Lippy. This is Beyond the Harmony, beyondtheharmony.com season two, and we will catch you on the next one. Phoenix Rising, bring us home.